we've covered in the past how big a Borderlands 2 fan I am, right? Like, I played an unhealthy amount of it. Yeah, and I myself, I played less of 2 than I did of 1. I played 1 a lot, but I played quite a bit of 2. Oh yeah, so you've got some love here for Borderlands 2. Yeah, right? I, I, I think we talked last week how I reinstalled the game, or two weeks ago or something. I, we have talked about how I'm playing that game again passively, and... So this week there are rumors out there that there might be some free DLC put out for that game that bridges Ooh. Borderlands 2 to Borderlands 3, and wow. that's all they had to say to get me to play, like, 20 hours of that game in three days? Wow. Alright, uh, well, I'm impressed by the amount of hours you put in, you considering that, that you- be. That well, that you also work and have life and do yeah, things. Yeah, I, I am reminded just how unhealthily I played Borderlands Two when it came out. Like <laughs> uh, that, that was the game that I go to work. Like no, no, no. Like this is how bad it was. Like there was a solid month of me playing that game where like I would wake up on my couch, going needing to go to work, having fallen asleep there with my controller in hand. Like go shower for ten seconds. I think this is back when I was like eating Snickers bars for breakfast, or like the Azumi replacement bars. Like I, I was running off of maybe like 900 calories a day by freak accident because <laughs> all of like literally, I'd get up, I'd get my motorcycle. I think I think it was motorcycle by then. I don't remember. I'd go to work, I'd do work, I would go home, eat something that barely resembled food, and then start <laughs> playing Borderlands Two again until I'd pass the fuck out again and repeat the cycle Ooh. all over. Like, by the end of a month, I just looked like a heroin addict. Like, just gaunt, tired all the time, looking to the point where I, one of my friends asked me, hey, are you on some hardcore drugs? And I'm like, no, I've been playing a lot of Borderlands 2. And then I thought about what I had done for the last month, and it was the, uh, we, we need to go outside during the day or something that's not work. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I mean I totally hear that. When I get into a game, I can I can kind of spend a lot of time in it easily. All right, so all right, for me embarrassing numbers of hours in games. Go on my Steam account. Look at the amount of hours that I have in Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah, it will stagger you. It's, uh, but yeah, I Yeah. Hear yeah, yeah, but we're, we're back in that mode like we're we're in the it's 4 a.m. I should go to work. I have to be up for work in an hour. Eh. For me, nobody has ever done a loot shooter quite like Borderlands 2. Uh, or Borderlands and Borderlands I, 2. There's... I'm inclined to agree with that at this point. Like, it's the, as someone who really fucking loved Destiny 1 and mm -hmm. really ultimately did not like Destiny 2 as much as I thought I should, mm -hmm. I'm really excited, apparently, for, like, a new, not-the-fucking-Borderlands pre-sequel Borderlands, like I, I yeah, I, I was not. I did. I didn't play the pre-sequel. Foamy I reaction of just me being like Borderlands, Borderlands. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I and it's really cool if they actually do the DLC that you're talking about. I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, all right. So, well, we will and, know in a week. It's being revealed, I guess, at E3 if it's happening or not. Mm. But like, there's enough different things reporting on the rumors being true. I'm like. I'm going to run this ne Necromancer up to max level for a one-time playthrough, or as high as I can for a first-time playthrough, because I'm going to want to see this. Oh, yeah. Gage is the character that I've mainly played in there. 
I kind of like Zero, but I really had a lot of fun with, uh, with, with was it Gage. Maya the Siren was my main for most of Borderlands 2. But See, I didn't like her nearly as much as the Siren from the first one. They were different enough, so what yeah. I liked about her was the phase-locking thing. You could set up so it could jump to enemies after you killed them, and if you, like, it literally came down to if you were playing her as, like, a heavy run-and-gun character, as opposed to kind of a melee character, which, yes, like, you could play her in a way that she became a wrecking ball, where just you could stack trigger skills on trigger skills on trigger skills, yeah. and that yeah. ball of death could become a, like, okay, yeah, it'll hit things, and then you shoot bullets into the ball, don't even bother aiming at the thing, just pump the spear with bullets, and they ricochet inside of there for millions of points of damage. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah, I think she, they definitely, that's one thing they did with two, is they added so many more skills that could basically yeah. launch other skills and stacks and things like that, which they didn't really have in one. I mean, one that they really expanded the way the skills work and how they work together in two. Yeah. I'm probably playing the um, Vladoff Soldier in the in three. I'm not sure I... The, the new Siren looks cool, but she's the melee character, and I've historically not liked the melee characters, and... Oh, I always go for the melee characters. That's the first one. That's why, that's why I always use uh, the... Uh, that's that's why I always use like characters that tend to go melee, like yep. Zero as well. I mean, no, I I understand, but that Vladoff soldier lady summons titans. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I'm gonna play the class that summons titans. I I just yeah. know who I am. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, 157, I believe. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. 157. Oh, good God. Yeah. I, I, it, in the dumbest way possible, I know 150 is only 10 away from 160, but like the the distance between that and uh, between the two seems gigantic. Like 100 to 100, uh, zero to 100, whatever. 150 to 160, because then you're into dumb numbers. Like, no yeah. one owns 160 of anything. Well, they do, but, like, no one's like, yeah, I own 160, whatever. It's like, it's the, it's 100, 150, because Pokemon, and then, like, 1,000. We're in the void numbers. Yeah, yeah. Every time I'm like, wow, that's a dumb number. Yep. Yeah. But yes, welcome. As always, I'm Charlie, a.k.a. Mordak, joined by Henry, a.k.a. Kraken Zero, Professor Kraken. Uh, which one are you going with this week, dude? Help me I out. Mean, I, I mean, usually it's Kraken Zero. Yep. <clears throat> but we are Alex-less yes. again, unfortunately. As fun as the charade was last week, Alex is not dead. He's actually just sick this time, so. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I, no, Alex has announced that he's only going to be here for Game of Thrones podcasts from now on. Oh, good so. God. <laughs> it's the Game of yeah. Thrones podcast that made him sick. Oh, yeah. All that talk of Game of Thrones brought up some bad poison in his system, and it poisoned him, and now lying low, let it seep out. A good bleeding with leeches and other Westeros-style medicine approaches are what ails yeah, him. Yeah, he, he, he caught grayscale. <laughs> yeah. I, so, that's one of those ones I kind of spent some time thinking about. Is grayscale just like psoriasis with people that get driven insane? 
by so I I know it's not, but like occasionally trying to put some of the ailments in that show into like modern day things where it's like, huh. There is a disease that makes your skin harden. Yeah. But it doesn't af- affect you neurologically. So just mix that in with a bit of syphilis. Well, I, which I imagine like. It does make you crazy. I could imagine does, like the pain could drive you mad eventually or something. Yeah. I don't know. But the interesting thing is, in, in kind of opposite to most diseases, that one, not to go too long into that, but that one, uh, somehow you can save people if they're kids. But if they're adults and they get it, they're pretty much doomed. Unless you, like, fucking pry it off them with a knife. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. But, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Anyways. Westeros MD. Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> that's the WCSI, my bad. Yeah. So what have you been up to this week, man? I... I played a game a lot. I, I found a game on sale, Slay the Spire. So it's a relatively new game. I feel like I'm I know still... this game. Oh yeah, it's it got pretty famous. It's 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 a very fascinating game. So so the way it works is it's basically a well so yet again one of these one player card games. It's a deck builder game. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of similarities to Munchkin, actually. A lot of similarities to Munchkin. And <clears throat> all right, so the way it plays is it, it it's laid out a lot like a traditional RPG. That is, you kind of have your player, and then enemies pop up. And so during the battle, you there's three different characters you can choose from, and you have a deck of cards, and you get hands from your deck of cards that you can then play each turn according to how much energy they cost. You get a certain amount of energy each round, which is just sort of given. And and so, it, as you go along, you also can add cards to your deck, as well as getting sort of relics that also affect gameplay. But yeah, it's, it's just, what cards you get is totally random. What you start with is generally set, but what you get as you go through the game can vastly change the way you play that particular character. Because essentially, character each character has certain ways they attack, or certain things, certain things about them, certain skills or abilities that are quite different. And depending on the cards you get, you may go in one direction or or another, which you know, one strategy or another. And so, yeah, it's super fun, and it's also rogue like ish. Oh no! And then it has it has its maps are randomly generated. The way the maps work, it's just you have your choice of paths through a map. Uh, just diff- whatever path you go through, you always end up in the same number of points, a uh, number of sort of stops. Each stop may be a monster, an elite monster, a question mark could be, which could be anything potentially, including special events, uh, shopkeepers. What is and- a special event? So some of the special events might give you an artifact. It might have some sort of a cursed trade-off, though. Some of them, it just something happens, and you have to make a choice on whether to maybe lose some life, lose something else. Some of them are some of them are like positive. Some of them are trade-offs. Some of them are just negative. So those are, those are possibilities. <clears throat> Sometimes it may also just be like a shopkeeper as well, mm. or an item. But yeah, sometimes it's these sort of scripted narrative events that have where you have to choose the outcome, which outcome you'd prefer. <clears throat> but yeah, it's 
It's got the three characters. They play vastly different, completely different. To the point, to the point that, like, essentially, so the first one is basically called the Ironclad, and that's just sort of your general warrior. He just does a lot of damage. That's that's pretty much it. He just does a ton of damage. Easiest character to play, though. Like, I have played him twice, and I have beaten it twice uh, with him. How long and does so, it take to <clears throat> beat, I guess? Oh, about an hour, if you okay. take your time a little bit. I mean... You do it way faster. It took gotcha. me. It takes me typically about an hour to go through. It's three levels, and each end of each level, you get a big boss. Okay. <clears throat> the silence is an assassin type, kind of fun, but way hard to play. It just the damage potential. It's it's hard for them to reach good damage potential. It's more about surviving a bit longer, and sure. I don't know, but. It's a lot difficult, so I do not have a very good record with the silent well, already. So I, I may have missed this side you were talking about this, and I apologize for that. Can you explain the second to second <clears throat> gameplay, I guess? All right, so in RPG style, you have your deck, you have your hand from your deck of cards. Okay. And so you, I did kind of mes- mention it, but yeah, you have energy kind of like mana, and then you can play cards according to their cost each, each round, and then the enemies go. And then player, it goes back and forth like an RPG, except instead of having all of your moves available at once, you only have, like, the general hand size is five cards. Your, your deck size could be any size. Smaller sizes are often, smaller deck sizes are often a little bit more optimal, I think, so you can get around to the card combos that mm-hmm. you want pretty easily. But yeah, <clears throat> you start out with 20 cards and then go from there. And so, but yeah, it, turn to turn, it's choosing the right cards or combos or effects or, yeah. And so there's a lot of thought that goes into it. I've watched, I watched somebody play it before, but playing it myself, yeah, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, the silent relies on a lot of sort of effects. So debuffs on them and buffing yourself as well as poison damage, but a lot harder to play. The defect I found, which is this robot character, a lot easier to play. The okay. defect ha- has this really strange thing where there's so- these sort of orbs that you can call, given using cards, that is. And these orbs have different passive and active effects. The passive effects happen every round. The active, of- the active effects happen when they are cycled through, that is... You only have three slots to begin with, and when you, if you push another one in the queue, it pushes the one at the front of the queue to be used. It just gets uh, used up, and it u- does its active ability. And so using that has a lot of potential for super combos and a lot of damage, but yeah, I found the Defect and the Ironclad a lot easier to play than the Silent. Silent's a lot more challenging. But yeah, I love that. Oh, I played the heck out of that. I even played like I played through just last night, like literally just last night. I played a played through a ironclad one. I'm two for two for with the ironclad. Really, really easy to play. And even more. All right. So usually you can also see what the characters are going to do next turn, either whether they're going to attack or use a spell and usually tells you also 
exactly how much damage the attack will be so you know how much damage you might need to try to block or mitigate in some way. So that's also that's also kind of cool. But I actually had gotten ended up with a sort of a half blessing, half curse thing, which gave me more energy per round, mm. but it removed the ability to see what the enemy was about to do. But I was still able to beat it with the ironclad, even though I had no idea what the enemy was now was ever going to do. I just had to try to do as much damage as possible every round. Sure. So, but yeah, that's oh, that's right up my alley as a, as a casual game because it's because it's an RPG. You it's you can use the mouse or you can use the keyboard to play it. Really, it's got a kind of funky style going on. I'm looking at pictures of it now. Oh yeah, the art style is very cool. So that that also helps to hold my attention personally. It makes me like a game more when the art style is quite interesting and yeah, it's it's it definitely has it's built its own world. And it definitely has its own style to it. And, wow, yeah, I love that game. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. seeing lots of, um, I don't want to call them eldritch horror things, but I'm seeing a screenshot of someone fighting what appears to be a goopy donut and an orange diamond polygon of some kind. Oh, yeah, that's a big boss. That's one of the big bosses. But, yeah, it's... Well, okay. There's a, there's a lot of weird creatures in it. Some of them yeah. are... Uh, kind of humanoid. Many of them are not. It's, it's, oh, it's such a cool game. I this is definitely one I highly recommend. As have many people. I I like it because if I'm not feeling like a twitchy shooter type of thing or something that requires reflexes, sure. Thought that there you go. Nice and relaxed and, for you. Yeah, and unlike say Cultist Simulator, which I mentioned before, and I didn't really enjoy so much. Yeah. There's no there's no timing thing. I can sit and wait on a turn or anything. I can play each card as slowly or as quickly as I want. I was gonna say too, like the, this, the arts. Like part of my issue with the Cultist Simulator was just kind of the interface for it looked very polarizing. Yeah, yeah. it's very simplistic. It has it has. I like the art style and the cards for that, but it's just there's not a whole lot of art to the game. Yeah. It's really happening in your mind. Which is cool. I love reading, and I like imagination. But yeah. but for me, Slay the Spire, way more satisfying as a card-based game, <laughs> I'd say. But yeah, uh, highly recommend that. Other than that, I also watched something that just came out. All right, so I'm sure we've talked about this before, but the Dead by, Dead by Daylight creators have created another asymmetrical game now. Um, I did not know this, actually. I think I managed to miss this completely. Okay, yeah, it's and it has the best title ever. Death Garden Blood Harvest. That's a metal band if I ever heard one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's And it's, it is asymmetrical. It's a four-on-one asymmetrical, but this one's an FPS shooter, and it moves fast. Whereas Dead by Daylight has a very specific pacing, and you can't really move that fast. What is this game? Oh, it's oh, it's fabulous! I watched one uh, streamer I like, uh, Swind, actually uh, play it last night, and oh, it's lovely! It's only just came out on Friday, so it's I mean, got this a is Terminator skin available apparently. For uh, yep, they're already going for the licenses. They, they, you know, they have like I mentioned before, like Dead by Daylight already has yeah. like six licenses. Well, they're already starting with the licenses for Death Garden, and it is the T eight T eight hundred, and so yeah. But it's fast action. It is. It, it feels like 
a modern shooter. That is, you're you're agile. You move and jump well. You can climb walls very easily well, and so quickly. Explain the two roles, because obviously there is the hunter and the hunty. Is it four hunting one or one hunting four? It is one hunting four. Okay. So it's much like the other one. You have one super OP character. It's purposely OP character and a bunch of people kind of trying to do their own thing. And man, this thing gets frantic. It's fast action. Like a modern shooter, it feels like a modern shooter in every uh, the way I what I way I was watching. Sure, and so it's four on one, and so you're trying to kind of gather blood and leave, so you can leave the area, leave the blood harvest area, as it, as it goes, the death garden. And so the four players are running around trying to sort of go to these sections and areas smaller ones and larger ones and collect blood they can also do it together there's the teamwork aspect seems to be definitely a big one because like left for dead or sorry not uh sorry like dead by daylight you if somebody gets downed you can go and pick them back up but it's also like if they if they catch up to you and have you for a few seconds they can execute you and then you're dead for good and so, and so, as far as I can tell, the one playing the hunter is more or less invincible, just like the, just like Dead by Daylight. Like, do you have it weapons be... as a non-hunter? Oh yeah, you do. Okay. Uh, they don't. They don't really seem to do any a uh, whole lot. Most of them are just to maybe pause them or sure. mess with their vision or hold them up a bit. Your weapons seem to be just as much for sort of. Well, A, you can use them to signal each other. I saw people doing that. And also for shooting at things. I, I only saw a certain amount of it, so I can only speak so much on it because I haven't played it yet. I am going to pick it up. It's real cheap right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I, I'm watching the trailer while you're talking about this. And, like, if you're a fan of Dead by you should totally check this out because, like, it's... This game looks weird. Like, it almost looks like the like the... The non-hunter characters seem to have like parkour moves almost or something. Oh yeah, totally. And it looks easy and seamless. Yeah, as well. like it's fast. It's really fast. It's like not it, like even like a. Uh, it's more like a modern shooter. It's got a real cool Hunger Games vibe to it too. Like I, but oh, yeah, I, I was not prepared. I'm like, I, I saw a picture. I'm like, okay, T one thousands, whatever. People in creepy deer skulls, whatever. No, the trailer has like the runners are wearing these cool ass post-apocalyptic like face mask things too uh, it, it kind of like dead by daylight's lore weirdly fascinates me i want to yeah. know the lore of this game now too because it looks cool yeah i i need to i need to just do more more I, research on it because what does well, it, it cost just right came now, out curiosity nine bucks it's oh, on sale fuck yeah if you get this let me know i will play this with you yeah it's yeah it the yeah, it's still on sale. It'll be on sale until June sixth, and so right now it's only not ten bucks. It's nine ninety nine, and <clears throat> oh man, already it looks like it's. I mean, I was watching people queue for it. Seems like it's pretty easy to queue. I mean, they've already had the system and that they, they created for Dead by Daylight. So, oh, it looks awesome, and I am hyped to play it. Uh, I think it might melt my computer, but I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I. This is this is something that. Oh, it looks so awesome. I mean, it's completely, it has, I can see where a lot of the same, some of the similar mechanics and systems are in play. 
but the gameplay is totally different. No, it, it addresses kind of my issue with <clears throat> Dead by Daylight, which is kind of it's a very tense and slow game. This thing yeah. just looks frantic, and that's cool. Yeah, it is scrambling around. You don't have much life, so when the, when the hunter gets after you, they can they rip you apart quickly. And so they made them properly OP, so you should fear the hunter. You should not stick around to try to fight with him. They will just own you and kill you. So, But as long as other people are around, they can revive you. <clears throat> also, of course, doing things in teams that is like gathering blood as a team mm. makes the gla- gathering faster. Because you basically have to sit around a landmark to gather the blood, uh, and then... But it goes, the meter goes faster if you have more players doing it. I personally just love the sentence, have to hang around to gather the blood. Like, mm-hmm. th- that is some weird, like, you could make a game that wasn't this game based off that sentence alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, these are great universe creators. Now, I will, I'm gonna, I just want to reiterate, I'm always w- a little bit worried with this company because they really love to get these licenses, and I feel like that's one of the things that actually hurt Telltale Games, because Telltale Games was almost entirely licenses. I, I think all, like, 100% licenses. No, not 100%, but... Very close. Yeah. Well, like, what's a license, I guess? Like, a Sam and Max technically a license, because I think they owned that yeah. at the end. Yeah, that's LucasArts. No, I, mean, I think they owned that at the end, though, or something. Oh, okay, like so they did own know. that one. I, I get what you're saying. I, I, would I don't argue... want to see this such great games lose their lose they lose it because they're just not making enough money off of it. Sure, but I'd also say like even the um, what you call them? Like, there's enough. Like, they could just release some like. In Dead but they had plenty of killers that weren't licensed ones, and I'm sure. Oh yeah, the most licensed ones still the majority. Yeah, the majority of their killers are still their originals, as well as the majority of the survivors in Dead by Daylight are still the yeah. originals. Whereas, yeah, uh, I mean, and it looks like it's the same for Death Garden. I mean, they're adding, though I think it's interesting that they are launching with basically Terminator DLC. I think they just have money and they can do it now. Like, I- I'm not going to lie. The Terminator looks yeah. fine. That Dude mm-hmm. in the deer skull head thing oh, just looks yeah. cool. Like it's like, oh, you play as a Terminator, oh, or you play as this creepy deer head dude. Oh yeah, I mean, honestly, like there, that's the thing. They don't even really, in a lot of senses, need the licenses. The licenses are definitely getting them a lot more attention. Yeah, but man, their their custom characters for both games look fantastic. Yeah. So, oh yeah, this is a game that's super up my alley. I'm totally getting it. Yeah. Yeah, I I have bought this game during this podcast based off that trailer and hearing you talk about it and like just <laughs> looking at this deer guy alone. Like it's it's $10 right now. I I've bought coffee more expensive than that. And this yeah. looks rad as hell. Yeah, I think I'm totally gonna buy it too as soon as just after the podcast. No, I'm, I, I'm picking this. I, I up. totally get it. Like, like even the less cool characters, there's this barren looking dude. He looks all right. So it's got like a cool Warhammer 40k looking vibe to him. Yeah, like this is a game 
where the lamest looking character is the T-1000 so far. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's impressive. But yeah, I watched it in my plate and I was like, oh, this looks amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Probably talk more about this next week. Yeah. Anything else? That's, that's it. It's a big that's it at that point. Too. That's a. <laughs> That, that that game looks real cool. Yeah. Alright, so I, I also did some stuff since last week, uh, most notably of which was I uninstalled The Division 2. Oh. I'm done. I, I, it's, I, I took two weeks off from that game, jumped back in for an hour and said, I am just, yo, straight not having a fun time with this, and uninstalled it, and given some Anthem news that we'll talk about later, I, yeah, I, I it's either Anthem gets good again or Borderlands 3 comes out for Charlie and Loot Shooters at this point. Like, I, it's... Mm. Th- those are my two options, because, like... I, I... Yeah. But I'm still playing a lot of Dauntless. I got into the kind of the upper tiers of Dauntless, and I'm still fucking loving that thing. I I take back some of my comments. I think last press low, like, eh, maybe the monsters are a little bit easy. Some of those monsters are nuts at higher levels. Like, I... Ooh. They start doing some weird stuff, which is cool. It's... It's still not much. Like, I, I stand by my WoW comparison, but the monsters do indeed. Like, I had a uh, monster team wipe uh, my entire like hunting party last night. Ugh. Like, we all were at a hundred percent. We all went to zero because we just fucked up. Ooh. And I'm like, wow, damn. Okay, this thing's legit. <laughs> yeah, I, there's some there's more depth in the tanks. You have to get kind of past the first couple rounds of monsters and. Then the game starts adding a lot more stuff you play with. I I like the gear a lot in that game. I'm really enjoying the fact that I'm just strolling around in like a gas mask and a big puffy like snow piercer winter coat. Mm. Like wielding a hammer that has a cannon in it. I that game is still <laughs> cool. I, I I am playing a lot more of that game than I thought I was going to. I thought I was gonna be like, yeah, cool, this is fine. Like it's it's what I thought it was, but no, now that I'm in higher levels of it. I'm getting legit into this. I, I swapped from the twin blades over to my hammer, uh, or over to the not the ha- not my hammer, the um, the cannon hammer, the 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 shell hammer, whatever it's called, the hammer that you load bullets into via Gears of War quick reload animation thing. It's it's real cool. Uh, those of you out there using the big axe and the super slow, I salute you, but you're not having as much fun as I'm having. <laughs> I can launch myself near the hammer. It's the switch axe of this game. Nice. It's weird. Yeah, no, I, Dauntless is still really good. I, the other kind of game I played this week we didn't talk about last week is I played Void Bastards. Mm, I've seen a lot of news about that. So uh, I'm going to throw this one down early because it's important to keep in mind the entire way through. Void Bastards is a $30 game. If you're like me and you owned the I think it's System Shock 2 re-release or System Shock 1 re-release on Steam, you get discount as part of that. I oh. would have gladly, in hindsight, paid $60 for this game. This game mm. is awesome. Nice. Uh, it's. I will not be finishing this game because it is a roguelike, and eventually my patience with roguelikes wanes out, but uh, this game has got some unbelievable style that just kind of sells the game. So I, before we gotta get into the weeds, it is a first-person shooter roguelike. You are tasked with clearing out uh, derelict spaceships 
Your goal is to regain your access or gain your freedom from being a prisoner on uh, of it doesn't fucking matter. So okay, so this is kind of this is the style aspect of the game. Uh, it's a roguelike, meaning your character dies a bunch, and there's random attributes for each character. Some are good, some are bad. Like my first character was a smoker, so they coughed Ooh. at random times, breaking stealth, and they, oh. they were followed oh, immediately by that's a, cool. Yeah, but so then. The character I got directly after that was a character who was short, so that at all times they were automatically the height of a crouch for a normal height character. <clears throat> mm. And they were then immediately followed by a character that was tall, so I had to crouch to get down to normal heights. There was no stealth at that point, but they had a shit ton of health. And like I, my longest run was with a character I got who, God, what was her thing? I, uh, I want so. I had two really long runs with characters. One of them was just straight immune to half the enemies in the game, but she was colorblind, so you couldn't tell what color certain stuff was to unlock it, or if the power was out, which was hmm. cool. My longest run, though, was a lady who... What was the exact perk? I, I spent... like She was the... Like, I at least spent four hours with one character when she died. I was super sad, because I got her specced out perfectly, but by the end, she could see where enemies were at all times on mini-maps, had like two X based health plus a shit ton of armor at that point. Uh, it's a so how cool you, game. Uh, it's so, so how do the upgrades work, or how do you how do you kind of power up as you go along in a run? So uh, the way the game works is you drop into a derelict spaceship, you salvage for stuff, whether it be food, fuel, or materials. Uh, while you're on a spaceship, there are enemies of varying scales. Like at the lowest level, you have what are called tourists, which are just kind of annoying things that explode when you get too close to them, but they're super useful because you can shoot them with almost anything and they'll, like, wipe out Ooh. a room of enemies for you. And then ah. there's kind of a variety of other things ranging from, like, generic first-person shooter enemies to things called spooks that teleport around Ooh. and, like, when... Like, okay, so rewind a sec. This game is a comic book, and by that I mean the art style is, like, aggressively a comic book down to... If enemies are on the opposite side of a door, the game will pop up the person. Like, what's it? The automatopoeia? Is that what the spelling out of a sound effect is? Yes. Of what that enemy makes when it steps around the other side of the door. So if you hear, if you see squish, it's a torque. They bounce around the big fluid bob lobby things. If it's a tap, it's the um, juniors, which are like little snot nosed gremlin things that are super easy to kill, but they're annoying. If it's a if it's kind of a step, it's a gender for the thud it's a sieve or something like if it's a spook it just says what because it's a spook is like a ghost version of a hard-boiled detective novel guy in space okay so sorry second step back again you are in the deepest of space that mutates people into weird monster things that's why the monsters Mm. exist uh it's the bermuda triangle of sorts ships go in terrible things happen to their inhabitants they turn to monsters you get to kill them etc etc doesn't matter and the game, it just kind of goes from there. Yeah, I'm looking at, oh, yeah, the comic book aspect, it is cel-shaded. Yeah. Really, really nicely done cel-shaded. Yeah, it is beautiful. Uh, and, like, it looks I'm not, fantastic. I'm yeah. not talking, like, Borderlands cel-shaded. I'm talking, like, even more cel-shaded. Like, yeah, it's it's also has a nice palette to it. I'm looking yeah, at it. Like, yeah, it's Yeah, it's not grimdark. It's grimdark in a lot of ways, but it's... Also has some. It just has a nice color palette. One of the sh- it, one of the weapons is like it's like a nice yellow and orange. Like it's yeah, like 
I love looking at this game so much I spent valuable upgrade points curing a character's colorblindness. <laughs> that and because I got sick of it being colorblind, but at the same time, this game is super cool looking when you're colorblind because then it's like a it's like manga, it's all like cell shaded and shit. Like it's cool. Yeah, I mean yeah, this yeah, it looks pretty cool. I, I see the part of the roguelike aspects. Yeah. That also in that you have to traverse a map of ships, basically. Yes, and the 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 ships, as best I can tell, are randomly generated. Uh, so like a, mm. like, and and some ships are great, and some ships are terrible. Like I, they also have random perks attached to them. Like I had a ship that I dropped into once that the modifier was like out to lunch, and oh. just no one was there. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and that was cool. But so, I, I, like the more traditional roguelite aspect of it, if you will. So. You have a character, they are expendable, and kind of playing back into the style. Once you die, it is revealed that you are kind of playing as a backpack, actually. Like a super intelligent, oh. mechanized backpack, and you are attaching yourself to convicts that mm. in this universe are dehydrated and put into like a fucking ramen flavor pack. And then rehydrated as needed to kind of fill the manual labor void left by your spaceship getting fucked up. The only constant is like so. I so in that case, it reminds me a little bit about of Let It Die, where you're basically just using bodies, but it's not yes. your body. It's very similar to that, except that like every time you die, there's this fantastic like three pan sh uh, three panel short animatic thing of. You're like mothership tearing open a package of of convict, dumping it into your scout ship, filling it with water, and then like your dude popping up. And every <laughs> time amazing. I see it, I'm like, I should be sick of this by now, but this is so funny an idea. I don't care. Wow, and, that's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I mean that's. Yeah, I've seen that. I've never seen it explained like that before. I've seen the idea done. I mean, like, Awesome Knots yeah. works the same way, where you just have copies of convicts, basically, but I, I love the the ramen the ramen cooking of it all. Yeah. <laughs> the rehydration. Well, and so, like, it, this game is unforgivably British. Like, the only kind of narrator mm. of the game is, like, your instructional computer thing. And it is a fucking British ass bear, a butler stereotype that every time you come back has like a little quip for you, and it's like, oh, if there's blood in your uniform, don't worry about it. Some uh, some water will take that out, or like, uh, it, it it treats your previous death as the most casual, like, fuck you, you're expendable. Who cares? Get to work, convict. But like in this upbeat, cheery, proper, stiff upper lip way. That's just so <laughs> endearing. Like, so, uh, the game is about tasks. You're trying to repair a ship so you can, like, free yourself and stuff. So, the first task is get a, an ID card so you can use the hyperdrive. And mm. you go through the process. You get the things required to make an ID card. You get the ID card. You go back to the main ship. You try and use the ID card, and it fails. And the ship in the most kind of bureaucratic business, like, British way goes, Oh, it appears you were not registered with HR. Go register with HR. Pans to the right slowly. But that will be a problem because the HR computer has been ripped out of the spaceship. 
Okay. And then the second <laughs> task is go find, go rebuild an HR machine. Like it, it's the humor is great. Like it's a little repetitive because it's the roguelike, but at the same time, when you're on a good run, you're on a good run. Like when, uh, yeah, it's, you start like you start like all the ships are different enough. Like there's like three or four styles of ships that you can recognize on visual cue. Like I know loot every Lux ship I come across. Why? They have a shit ton of food, shit ton of stuff, and it's often some good, like, there's often lots of kind of credits in there, whatever they're called, uh, minutes. Okay. Whatever they're at. Like, but also, <clears> like, <throat> I, I came to a Space 7-Eleven at one point, there was just a shit ton of vending machines and turrets to discourage bad behavior. I could not be <laughs> how to be bad, but I wanted to. And, mm. Like the second to second combat's kind of Bioshocky. Like uh, it's um okay. You have three weapons. You have your main weapon, kind of a support item, and then what's called a gadget. And the gadgets run the gambit from like a taser you can hit robots with to stun them, and then hack them if you have the kind of upgrade tree for it, to a gun that sucks enemies in, and then you can throw them. It's like a display. It's called a displacement gun, if I remember correctly. Mm. And then like a. And then the gadget stuff is like poison gun or like your grenades or something. And then your main gun, so far I have essentially a shotgun that suits staples as far as I know. A pistol, <laughs> a flamethrower, kind of beam rifle that, that like would be great because it's a shitty charge up, but you can shoot through windows with it, which is pretty cool. And powerful. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I, it's, the game is really cool and really fun. Like it it reminds me a lot of another game called um, Tower of Guns, where part of the fun of the game is it's just weird, and the game has such a good sense of humor about how weird it is. I can't help but love it. Like it's, I, I, I reinforced my my spacesuit armor by shoving it full of the padding material from insane asylums. Like that's the kind of humor this game has for. Like and. and I guess kind of like the other part of the game is you have this workshop asset where you build stuff, and that's your collecting. You're collecting raw materials or specific parts you can build, new weapons and armor and all that jazz. And I, I guess kind of like the way the way a mission in the game works is you load in, you have your mini map. Typically, I always go to the helm so I can download the uh, schematic for the place there with loot and stuff like that. And so you can't limit out. You have a time. You, you, there's a timer mechanic mechanism which is oxygen. There's no oxygen in any of these ships. It clicks down. Most ships have an oxygen refuel system. Not all of them do, though, ironically. like mm. Some of the biggest ships in the game actually won't, so you have to prioritize your runs, and it becomes kind of a frantic mad dash. And you can affix Oh, that's cool. Like, it, it's Ooh. a death at that point. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah. And it's it's a really cool game. Yeah, I'm having awesome. so yeah. much fun with it. Like I said, I won't finish it because the roguelike and... I just don't have the patience for them ultimately. Like it's the, but at the same time, I'm having a blast. Like it's roguelikes are my jam. So I'm, I mean, I think I might end up picking it up because roguelikes are definitely my jam. Yeah. I mean, if, if anybody's listened to any previous podcasts, it's the roguelikes that tend to go a bit nuts over. Yeah. I I would go so far as if you like the new doom, Mm. even you might really like this game. Like it's, the mm. combat isn't the focus, but like it's got kind of that bullets count, get them headshots, move quick and move fast vibe to it, and like oh nice, and I go into like we're like Borderlands can be kind of meme in your face funny. This is like British, the IT crowd funny, like it's Sub- very subtle. Yeah, yeah it's like, like 
ranging from the fact that your robot it like that you're like oh we can't give you hyperdrive access because you're not part you haven't been registered with HR go build that computer again for us to the tourists when they bounce around complain about how shitty the service has gotten lately <laughs> like the janitors are like what the fuck are you doing here like thick cockney accents and shit like that like it's <laughs> like in universe there's a company that makes creepy robotic cats i use creepy because they're like you use them as like remote distraction bombs but like you go on to spaceships that are obviously meant to be like theme parks for these weird robot doll things where it's like welcome to the play space for your cat and i'm like i just blew up six people with one of your cats <laughs> But I'm here to get more cats because they're super useful. I yay cats! Yeah, cats I, are amazing. At thirty dollars, all they do is explode. Yeah, I, no, it's <laughs> it, it's the fear of exploding kittens. <laughs> I, it's a great game. Like, is it the best game I've played this year? No, but I am having so much fun with it. It's it, like the, the things I have bad to say, but it's a roguelike. Like, it's the it has the good and bad of that. The game is played great on my laptop. Like, it's. Is it the precisest thing? No, but also it's damn fun. Like for a game where I'm dying that much, the fact that I'm like, fuck yeah, it's the hilarious animatic again of me getting revived back from being a packet of Insta stuff is funny every <laughs> time because it's just so clever and that's followed by your robot like lying to you about why you were picked to be revived. <laughs> where it's like, I chose <laughs> you because of your specific traits and how equipped you are for the situation. Looking at the traits, I'm an yeah. asthmatic who's tall. Fuck <laughs> you, robot. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. So, like I said, I've seen that done, but, like, in Let It Die, where you choose your body from the same thing, it's just like, but it's not you. Yeah. But yeah, that's, oh, uh, yeah, that sounds kind of up my alley, yeah. I mean, roguelikes, I definitely play and beat roguelikes on a regular basis. Yeah, I, what works for me in this case, it's a first-person shooter, like, it's not a side-scroller. Mm which is yeah. what kind of my biggest issue with most of those things is, but it's it's really funny. If you're a fan of shooters, you should absolutely check this game out. It's it's just fun. Like, in a 30 bucks, I can't recommend it enough. Like, it's... You are getting more than your money's worth. It's great. Like, the... Void Bastards will be on my game of the year list. Like, it will not be the top, mm. probably, but it will be... Like, it's a great game. This yeah. is absolutely a game you can, like, oh. go to the mat for on style. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to yeah. put that on my wish list. Yeah. I, so, and I, I did one last, I did one more thing. That was last week, technically, but I couldn't talk about it till this week because of NDAs, if you will. But um, mm. I am one of the fortunate few that has been to that new Star Wars land that Disney opened up recently. Like, Woo! I think like two days before this podcast goes up, actually, it officially opened, technically. Yeah. Uh, it's so. I was there, I was actually there a week before it opened for something referred to as Vendor Day. I'm not allowed to go into what that means, but I'll let you kind of extrapolate what your insane theories are on. I will not be able to comment more than that, but I can talk about what's actually in Galaxy's Edge. That's what the land is called. And it's really cool. And I don't know if we've actually talked about it in a while or if ever, like my ongoing con uh, conflicted feelings about Star Wars, being there at this thing is the most I have enjoyed Star Wars since I was, like, 12. I really liked it. It's really, really goddamn cool. 
Yeah, um, I mean, it seems like uh, once so I guess a couple Disney... notes to throw up beforehand. Yeah. The land is not totally up and running. One, only one of the two attractions is running. Uh, the Millennium mm. Falcon one, called like Smuggler's Run, I believe, or something like that. That sounds right. Where you fly the Millennium Falcon, it's real cool. So you like go in through like a Star Wars mechanic shop and. Then you board the Millennium Falcon, and the inside is the straight-up Millennium Falcon. Like, there's a bunch of pictures out there of it. You hang out in the chess room, then you go into the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, and this is where the video game podcast aspect of it happens. It's not just a simulator. You have one of three jobs. You're a pilot, gunner, or engineer, and you fucking press buttons, and the game plays out in front of you. I don't think we ever talked about it on the podcast, but, like, NVIDIA has been heavily involved in the development of this thing, and it shows, like, it feels nice. like you were fucking flying, it's like a motion base, and you get a score, and so there, there wasn't a game up and running, but there's a whole, like, inter-park game that will track, like, credits you get from doing shit. Oh, that's super cool. Like, you get a, like, there are different endings, and I guess, like, branching paths to the Millennium Falcon ride, because I was cool. talking to someone, and their pilot straight up sucked, apparently, <laughs> and they didn't even do a section we did, and I'm like, huh, Okay, that's different. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. So I'm guessing there's more than a few booths. Like, how many booths are there that can be taken up at, at a time? At For the, time? the Millennium Falcon thing? Yeah. I don't know, actually. Uh, so uh, I guess kind of. Because I imagine this thing's going to have a long line. So I'm just curious how, like, how many simultaneous. We moved through pretty quickly, Falcons. and that doesn't mean anything because we were out there. We were there were reduced crowds technically. Right, so the way it works is you go through like two thirds of the queue. You go into a room, and uh, an alien, an alien avatar, and it's Hondo, I think, or something, gives you mm -hmm. a mission briefing, and then you split off, or maybe you're split off already. Then I can't quite remember into t into like. Well, essentially a Star Wars, like, airplane gangway thing, and then you're in the big famous chess table room thing from the movies, and Ooh. there are three or four hallways off of that that I assume all end in a cockpit, but I don't know. I only went on it once. Uh, uh, okay. I get the impression that three of the four hallways are the same. Just based on looking at, okay. there was one that I think was the hallway that like Luke and Leia kiss, not Luke and Leia, um, Han and Leia kiss when she's doing like, the welding and shit like that. Like it was a different thing. So at, okay. that's the one kicker. So you get randomly assigned a hallway. You get even like a, a punch card thing that den that denotes what your um job is when you get on the ship and stuff. Like there is, uh, there's some matchmaking. I guess the way of thinking of it. Like you you go hmm. on a ride with six people. Uh, me and my yeah. fiance were kind of we. I could. She went with me for this when we were with two other groups of randos, and we did fine. I could imagine this being really cool with like a group of six. Mm, yeah, and this is something you could definitely practice because, yeah, yeah, it's really uh, cool. Like it, yeah, I, I think I saw an article out there that was talking about how it's like the most expensive arcade machine ever made, and it does <laughs> kind of feel like that. But also, like, you're in the fucking Millennium Falcon cockpit. Mm. Like, there are extra buttons, and things are blinking, and the cage is there, and it just looks cool. Like, it's... For all of you nerds that were like, man, I want to fly the Millennium Falcon, you can! At Disneyland! Yeah. yeah. I feel weird saying that, but, yeah, it's really well done. 
I mean, yeah, once Disney actually started to take their Star Wars properly property seriously, yeah. they have spared no expense on it. And that, then and I am not surprised that they went all out and that's uh, it sounds just for that ride just sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, so and I, I so of the things we did there, I would argue the coolest thing you can do potentially at the entire park as cool as the Millennium Falcon is, is one of the two kind of premium shopping experience. So like, let's take a step back. We've hmm. talked about the only of the two rides I got to ride. The other one's opening, I think, like in a couple weeks or something. It's a ride within a ride within a ride is the story I heard from someone, so I don't know. But hmm. yeah. Uh, so you are on, I think it's Batu Batu. Uh, at something called the Black Spire Outpost. The like okay, this is a Disney park that is showing the signs of blaster fire with patrolling stormtroopers and like rebel people Whoa. milling about and like a full on like Star Wars style bazaar running through the middle of it and you can get blue and green milk there. Blue milk tastes better than green milk. They both kind of taste like coconut. What? That's okay. They're dairy free. I mean, I'm just like, what? What does that? What? How? How is that Star Wars? Uh, it's the blue milk from the original Star Wars movie, and that's the green milk oh, yeah. from what's it? The Last Jedi that mil- that Luke gets out of the weird walrus creature. Oh yeah, like it's okay, a refreshment yeah. at that point. I, I don't. I uh, seeing where it came from. I don't want that. I, blue milk is better. <laughs> I, I will say Bantha milk. I think is better than whatever that thing was. Milk. I, I, I would drink the blue <laughs> milk again. I would not drink the green milk again. <laughs> it wasn't bad, but it was just a little bit sweet for my taste. Um, mm. uh, so, uh, most of it's kind of shopping experience. That's not true. Most of it is you're fucking in Star Wars. Like that's that's the hardest thing to emphasize and to show in a podcast is like wandering around. You don't feel like you're in a movie. You feel like you're on a goddamn Star Wars planet. Like it's the theming is ridiculous. There's just stuff all over the place. There's just droids. There's parts like. You go around a corner and just randomly there's a disassembled like um scout droid from Empire Strikes Back hanging on a wall in a net. Curious. And this is just something because I've I've heard of I heard a big review on the Avatar Land. Yeah. Are the are the workers in universe? Yep. Do they talk to you? Oh, yeah. They talk to you in universe. I like, would say this, annoyingly this is the planet, so. This is the planet such and such. Like to the point that for the Avatar Land, like when somebody went on lunch break, instead of saying they're on lunch break, they'll say something like they're doing reconnaissance in the jungle or something like like something like that. <laughs> so uh, the thing I wanted the most, and they did not have, and I believe they now have them because I've seen people pick, uh, posting pictures <clears throat> of them. There are specialty Coke, Diet Cokes, and Sprite bottles oh, for yeah. this that look like goddamn hand grenades, and I want thermal one. detonators. Yeah, I, yes, that's what they are. And they did not have those when I was there. Oh. And they had a full in-universe explanation to where the fuck those things were. <laughs> like, That's amazing. Multiple people were asked by me if they had the sprite grenades. And each one gave a different, but kind of along the same vein, explanation as to where the hell they were. That's super cool. I, I, I like that. I can appreciate that. Like, you don't pay with money, you pay with credits. Like, it's themed. Mm. It is... It, all of it is in-universe. Like, I... So, and that's, and that's kind of where it gets kind of done to the other things. So, 
there are three, yeah, three sounds right, premium kind of shopping experiences. One of them is this, like, a Den of Antiquities where it's got, like, the fucking Sith and Jedi hollow cube things and, like, Jedi robes and lightsaber clips for your belt and shit like that. Like, and this is something I knew that I'm not sure other people know. Everything in that space is for sale. There's a bunch of, like, Bantha and Wampa heads up on the walls. You can buy those if you want. That's They're, like, $25,000, but you can buy them if you want. But, you know, they might be worth $25,000. They're real cool. Like, fuck, you can buy, what's it, the Kiter crystals, the lightsaber crystals in there, and that's important thing I'm going to talk about in a second. But, yeah, like it's, that's kind of your most traditional shopping experience. It's high-end. It's cool. Like, going in there is, like, all of this expanded lore nerd shit you'd want to see there. And that's where you buy it, if you want it kind of thing. Like, it's there. It's pricey, but it's cool. And then the other two are something called the Droid Depot. I think that's what it's called. Droid. Yeah, that sounds right. Where you build an R2 or a BB-8. Oh, like there's this yeah. conveyor belt with fucking droid parts on it and you go over and you grab the parts and you've got like six or seven colors to pick from and you screw it together yeah and and the thing that's kind of cool about these that's really cool about these things is all right so the product that you get itself is not necessarily super special but you're paying for the experience of the whole thing. oh yeah it's it is yeah you know, like because they'll take you through this whole like usually for this stuff they take you through this whole in-universe spiel yep. about like as they're building it for you or creating it for you or doing whatever and so that's 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 pretty cool oh no this work is even weirder too you can buy personality chips for your droids that change kind of how much of an asshole they are to you i guess like they like oh that's cool they're technically remote control cars but like you can have added personality to them oh that's cool. and like if you want to make a black and red r2d2 you totally can and it looks bitchin and then they give you a droid cage. I think they also have some like fancy droid holder backpacks that you can mm. buy and then like fucking carry your droid. Like it, it has a specialty box it goes into that looks like you have a droid in a cage. Like walking around, you're holding so, a droid in a goddamn cage. It's awesome. So about how big are they? I and mean, that's what I'm curious. I want to say two feet tall, but like my brain's telling me it's closer to 18 inches. Like they're they're not tiny. Like they're at least a foot tall. That's pretty big. Yeah, that. that <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, they are, I'm going to say they're about, like, six to nine inches, kind of, circumference-wise, or, sorry, diameter-wise. Like, they're not small. These are things you could put on a shelf, and people will see them. They are most definitely a thing. Awesome. But, yeah, I, yes. So, the other premium one, and this is the one I did because I couldn't justify two $100 plus purchases while I was there. I went with the uh, I'm gonna call it the hardcore nerdier one that's also unfortunately more expensive but also totally fucking worth it. And so you, you asked about kind of the level of commitment to the bit that the people were doing. So the other big premium sale thing is build a lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. So the lightsaber you get into by essentially conducting a drug deal <laughs> and by that i mean at least when we were there i'm hoping they actually made it a little bit easier to figure it out because it was kind of hard to figure it out but like at the same time it was cool like 
the entrance to this thing is like four people loitering in an alley with like a stack of crates and you wander over and what? they pull open the crates and there are like lightsaber parts in them. And that's the point that's of That's weird. Oh, it gets weirder. So like there you go like the, uh, this is a build your own lightsaber. There are I think it was four themes. Like you've got the Vader lightsaber, the green Luke lightsaber, the blue Jedi lightsaber and sorry, five and there's kind of the defender and the nature one. The nature one is cool because it got like a fucking tooth pummel for it, possibly. And so each theme kind of comes with two to four options for location on the lightsaber. We'll talk about that in a second. You can kind of play with. You can't, as mm -hmm. of when I was there, swap from kind of style to style. I wish you could, but I could also imagine they're going to start selling parts because that would be a smart move. But so, like, they show off again. Yep. So at the point of sale, you pick what style you're going in for. And then you wait, and you join a crowd of, like, loitering-ass, catch-looking people in this alley in Star Wars land. And <laughs> then you get, like, snuck into a back room into this space where it's got, like, a little work table for every person, and they bring out the parts, and they have this whole, like, show about building a lightsaber, and then you literally fucking put a lightsaber together. Like, you get a tray of parts, and you assemble them around a core, you get to pick, um... It's a kiter crystal, right? Yeah. That you get to pick your kiter crystal. There are red, green, blue, purple are the colors. I think that sounds right. Yeah. And you put it in and you build the hilt and the thing weighs like easily like five, ten pounds. Like it's a hefty thing you're holding all of a sudden. Like the outside shell is made up of metal parts, and then you like put it in this like plug thing. This audio cue plays, you step back and Boom, it's a lightsaber. It's glowing with whatever blade you, or whatever kyra crystal you put in it. And it turns out, like, the soap, the premium retail is mentioning, if you swap what kyra crystal is in your lightsaber, it will change the blade. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and the thing is, uh, that's actually pretty cheap, honestly. Yeah. If you've ever, ever seen any just buying, you know, some of the nicer lightsabers, like 200, 300 yep. bucks. Yeah, anything you buy, just m market that you didn't even get to choose any of the parts to, just those cost that much. Oh, yeah, I know. And the fact that th this is letting you build your own for basically the same price that you could get, that you would have to pay for any of the any of the nicer versions of the lightsabers, that's a deal. And People I, are going to buy the crap out of that. I sure as fuck did. Like, yeah, I, I could nitpick the hell out of this being like, Oh, the build quality could be higher or whatever, but like the reality is, it is a unbelievably cool experience. Like I, you get to bring one guest in with you while you build a lightsaber, and Jen's watching me the entire time, being like, "I saw like twelve-year-old nerd Charlie come through for about five minutes." I'm like, "Yeah, this this is some full circle bullshit for me." Which one did you build? Um, I built the nature one because I am a sucker Ooh. for the idea of a lightsaber having. A big old tooth in the bottom of it for a pummel. That that sounds cool. Yeah, Ed, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I, I am like, and this is where it kind of gets weird. Like, it's <clears> the <throat> did I get to build the lightsaber <clears throat> I wanted? Yeah, was it exactly the lightsaber I wanted? Not quite. But also, like, if they're smart, they'll start selling swappable parts because you can totally swap oh. around parts at home. Like, it's easy absolutely. To, it's easy to disassemble and put this thing back together, which is how I found out. Like, there are some unneeded but unbelievably cool details like 
if you try and turn the lightsaber on with the blade detached because it detaches super easy, it makes a short circuit noise. Oh. Which is cool as shit in my book. But <clears throat> That's cool. Yeah. No, but so, like, it's the... If they had had other parts there for sale that I could have swapped out for my kind of, like, this is the theme you went with initial thing, I would have spent more money, in all honesty. Like, as someone who already was like, man, I spent way too much money today, they could have rung a little more. Because the thing is just so cool. Like, it is a little bit corny and a little bit hokey, but, like, it's the... If you grew up with Star Wars, it's such a fucking cool experience. Like, and that's kind of the overall theme for the entire land when you're talking about it. Like, it's it's just cool. This will actually, for the first time ever, maybe I'll actually go to a yeah, Disney I, it, Disney theme park because I've literally never been to a yeah, Disney theme it, park. It is an unbelievably <laughs> cool thing to go around. Like, it's the we've not we're not even done through talking all the stuff. So, like, it's the like this is a theme park. It's mostly a place to spend money. Like the bazaar. Is yeah. full up lots of cool Star Wars stuff. Like it's divided pretty heavily between First Order and Rebel Alliance. Like the there's Ooh. a First Order store that sells like theme to the First Order. I bought a hat from the First Order. It's a <laughs> it is the first piece of Star Wars paraphernalia or apparel. Sorry, I have bought since I was twelve, and I got it because I think it looks cool. Like it is a cool looking, mostly black baseball hat. Like whoever did the designs for a bunch of this stuff work their ass off on making like it's 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 not like disney ears there actually are no disney ears but you can buy a bb8 head or an r2 head to put on your head kind of thing as the as replace of that like everything there is neat and like the stuff that's very kind of theme park is still kind of seems to be high enough quality it's got a it's got a sleek design to it like depending on what faction you're going with but then on the flip side of that there's a whole like the bizarre the like main stretch of this thing is full of stuff that, for the most part, isn't theme park stuff. It's hmm. just cool Star Wars stuff. Like they they were selling plushes there of most of the characters, but they're stylized. Like they're not just like generic plush. They had like a, I almost want to call it like a dog toy quality to them. But like they have a unifying style to the store and look like they're not, but they look like they're handmade and stuff. And they looked cool. There was that, like, and this was in a store that sold these and like hand-carved sand crawlers, or, like, wooden sand crawler toys. Like, that's old, cool. Yeah. I, that, very, that's very in-universe feeling. Yeah. Like, this is, like, there aren't hot dogs. You get, like, all the food there is themed. You're either eating in, like, a hangar building that has an engine, quote, cooking your food, or you're going to, like, one of the two or three, like, street vendors that are, like, fake but appropriately grungy for this being a weird planet kind of thing. There's, there's like an X-wing parked in an alley. There's like a first order dropship thing just parked off by some woods. Like it's just you're you're wandering on stuff just there. Like, I forgot to mention this. So for the lightsaber thing, they paused at one point. This is kind of level of theming. There was a patrol of first order stormtroopers wandering by, and they paused kind of mid spiel to act inconspicuous. Oh, that is, that's amazing. That is so cool. Like, and then they got oh, that searched sounds like and an were outraged experience. about it. What? Wow. That's, that's really the extra yeah. vial. That like, is, and, that, that's like, so cool. And this was after there was a bunch of stormtroopers up on, like, an elevated platform thing, which was just set dressing, like, opening stuff up and, like, making a show of opening up hatches and shit and looking inside 
and talking and reporting back to base for it. And yelling that's, at that's people just, to move along. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it sounds like they have absolutely delivered. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's they they have the money to do so, and if yeah. they choose to actually use that money, this is the result. Yeah, I, So, and we haven't covered kind of the last big marquee thing. Like, it, it's weird to say, like, there's a any one thing, cause just walking around the place, I, I know it's like a broken heart, it's just cool. Like, it's the being there is like, man, you are in fucking Star Wars, and that's cool, but there is a bar. Or should I nice. say a cantina? Mm. Uh, that is themed to the gills. Nice. Yeah, so you go inside, it is it is a bar, there's alcohol, it, is, it turns out this is the only, or I guess one of two locations in the... Disneyland side of the Disney Park in California. California Adventures, the other half. That is alcohol. Mm -hmm. This is only one of two locations that serves alcohol. You can't take the alcohol out, but like, mm. yeah. You can get a variety of like, tequila seems to be the preferred mixer out al alcohol there for this, but like, it's a bunch, like, everything there is a theme drink to Star Wars. I got nice. some weird tiki drink thing that was pink oh, and had yeah. fake eyeballs in it. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, man. It was the Ewok-themed love... one. I think it was called, like, the Yub-Yub Rum or something like that. It's supposed to come in, like, a Ewok-themed tiki mug thing. Like, like, tiki mugs is why I wanted it. I would drink that thing again. It was dangerously not alcoholic tasting. But, like, it came with, like, a fistful of, like, tapioca, like, a boba bubble eyeballs. Like, but, like, fish egg, uh, clear goop, black dot eyeballs just floating in the drink kind of thing. That's that's that is a very nice touch. Yeah. Seeing as how we know for a fact that apparently the Ewoks, they will eat anything, including yep. the you know they were they were about to eat our brave heroes in yep. Return of the Jedi. They were yep. totally about to super eat them. Yeah, yeah. So and this work gets even crazier. So think of this bar as kind of like a Star Wars Seven Eleven, and by that I mean most of the drinks that aren't beer come out of like a tank that's themed up and like above the inner bar section that occasionally oh, there's like a cool. thing living in it that when, oh nice yeah nice touch i don't know if it's actually coming out of that tank i assume it's not but like th there was a drink that was like a swampy green color that at least they implied came out of a tank that there was a frog creature living in and the frog creature would occasionally kind of like ribbit Oh yeah, and the bartender would go over the wall and like pull it and like do a spigot thing, and they would fill up. They hand you a drink, but you'd be like, "Huh, okay." Yeah. The funny thing is, I've kind of done that for real, real. Though the thing in the bottle was definitely not alive. I had something called Habushu, which is a Okinawan uh, liquor, and it has, yeah, it has a habu, which is habu is the poisonous snake that is indigenous to Okinawa. I've had that and stuff, so it. It has a huge coiled snake in it. It's but yeah, I've I've so I've definitely done that for real, real. But man, it sounds like a great touch. Like yeah. just it's the details. For no, and, me, and world building is so much in the details. Like that's why I enjoy like so many. There's a lot of different things I enjoy, almost merely because I love the details to the world building in it. Yeah. Oh no, and like the the bar is cool. Like it's a big wraparound bar that goes straight out of the cantina from Star Wars. It's not the can. It's not the cantina. It's a cantina, but like it doesn't have the band. 
It's got some like droid DJ who feels appropriately like Star Wars kind of thing. It's just cool. Nice. Like I, I know I keep saying that, but like it's just it's like man, this is cool. That's rad. But yeah, like like I said at the start of this whole kind of fanboyish deep dive, it is the most I have cared about it. It is the most enjoyment I've gotten out of Star Wars since I was like twelve. Like between the fucking fan base these days and the various movies and the hiatus and like not really getting into the the Clone Wars stuff that was the main thing for a while and the mm-hmm. Battlefront games not being great. It was uh yeah. I think we've talked about my ongoing thing where I'm like, I need Star Wars to either make me hate it or love it again because I'm stuck in this kind of ambivalent zone. And mm-hmm. what none of the movies or video games have done since, like, Revenge of the Sith, which even by that point, I'm like, ah, I'm just glad this this trilogy is over to a certain extent. Like, yeah. I fucking could again. Like, that, that's the best way of putting it. Like, this was back to, like, Charlie watching the re-releases in movie theaters, which I know people have complicated thoughts on. Don't at me over this. And being like, yeah. fuck yeah, Star Wars. I don't know the word fuck yet. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I I totally get the same thing in that. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've been super excited about Star Wars. Yeah, and this is this is coming from from somebody who, I mean, I watched Return of the Jedi in the theater. Yeah, that's to, for. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I I was a little kid at the time, but yeah, I I yeah. I I am yeah. This is enough to actually make me go yeah. to a Disney theme park. To be honest, like, yeah. Like like Henry said, I, in, this is a good excuse to go to a star. They'll go to a theme park for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I've been to theme parks, but it'll be the first time I've been to a Disney one. Like, all right. So the main theme parks I've been to are are Six Flags, Six Flags over Texas. The one, the first one that's actually the in real Arlington. Six Flags. Yeah, the one where the name actually makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, and so, but yeah, I've never been to a Disney theme park. But ah, uh, yeah, this 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 is definitely makes me want to go. Avatar Land doesn't make me want to go. This absolutely super does. Yeah. On the one end, California is now open with kind of an asterisk. You have to have like a, I think that's like to the end of June or something. You have to have an appointment to go in or something. I don't know mm-hmm. when the Florida one opens up. I'm assuming it's sooner rather than later, but. Yeah, Star Wars Land. It's cool. We practically could have done a separate podcast. We could have. And if Land. you two ever wind up going to it, I will. If you and Alex wind up going to it, I will figure out what my N- what my NDA says I can and cannot say about it in the grand spectrum of things, so we can talk mm-hmm. in more detail about it. Because yeah, I you you asked a couple questions. I'm not sure I'm allowed to answer. Yeah, so you got yeah, vague answers, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that, that's uh, that's it for weeks. It seems, um, or I guess last week, I guess sort of technically, things we've been up to, if you will. Video uh, game news, news. Whatever. Indeed. Well, uh, and there's actually quite a bit of news this week. There is. I really it's... wish. I really wish Alex was here to comment on it. Yeah. Even though there's no Blizzard news, per se. but <laughs> yeah, You could say it's dead about Anthem, but yeah. Um, we're going to start on this one. Uh, let's start with the dumbest one this week, I guess. Uh, 
They've been slowly unveiling kind of VR support for various Switch games. Yes, you heard that sentence right. They're still doing that. And the mm-hmm. latest one is there's officially VR for Smash. You know that side-scrolling what? fighting game can now be played in VR. Well, I I think play is maybe stretching it a bit because the the all right, it doesn't sound like you could actually play I, very well because you'd have to play one-handed. No, because you have to hold the thing up to your face by holding the Joy Cons. Like your hands would, in theory, be on the Joy Cons. It'd be a terrible oh, yeah, that's way true. Yeah. to play Smash, oh. but. Oh, that's it's it's like a periscope. You're holding a periscope. One might argue it's periscope. worse than the Virtual Boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because now the controller isn't even loose. Now it's you have to hold your hands up to your face as well. It's <sighs> hypothetically you could attach a strap of some kind and play with a pro controller, but yeah, for, yeah. for those unclear about how <clears throat> Nintendo VR works with the Switch, it is a extension of the Labo. We talked about this many podcasts ago. That essentially acts as kind of a periscope for your face, as Henry put it. And it does not come natively with a strap. Nope. The, the videos of it looks cool, I guess. Um, I mean, you could you could stay in theme and make the strap out of cardboard as well. Could. <laughs> well, there's non-cardboard <laughs> stuff in Labo. There's, like, rubber bands and shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't actually aware of that. I thought it was literally only paper. It's but mostly anyway. paper, but I think there's some rubber bands. Yeah, I don't know at this point, but yeah, that that's a thing. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare will launch with console and PC crossplay. Mm, that's something that they haven't wanted to do for a lot of competitive FPSs because of the disparity in using a controller. Yes, as we're all well aware of. Indeed, but it seems like with the success of certain things, I mean. Uh, Fortnite has crossplay, right? Yes. Am I right in that? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was announced. I mean, it wasn't immediate, but it was announced. Yeah, we're we're seeing it more. We're see, obviously Dauntless, which you mentioned, which you talked about earlier. Yeah. And yeah, it seems to be a thing now. I guess I I'm really happy about it. I think it's super cool. But yeah. I'm also a uh I'm a PC gamer, so yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> There'll also be no season pass for it, but by the the big deal here is the crossplay. It's a, a cynical man, which I am, might say something like, "But what if Activision is worried about a dwindling user base based on the longevity of the previous game they put out, and they're looking to kind of keep a large-looking community going at the same time by making by artificially padding their numbers by merging all the communities into one, thus making it big again?" But this is progress yeah. either way, so. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I th- yeah, I I like the idea of crossplay, and you know what? It could make a game yeah. that doesn't have a huge user base. Maybe it, not that this one won't because yeah. it's Call of Duty, but it can help it to survive a lot longer if you just have a combined community of players. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Did you watch the trailer for this thing? I am super not interested in Call of Duty. Uh, it's. As someone who has not bought a Call of Duty game since I think Modern Warfare at this or not sorry, I'm not modern advanced <laughs> warfare. Um this one looks to be like it might be worth picking up again. It's dark in a way Call of Duty has not been. Like I to, to put the Spec re- Ops. Hmm? Spec Ops. 
Sort of, yeah. So it, to put on the rewind hat, like for a lot of people, myself, I think like we peaked with Call of Duty 2, where 3 was the continuation of that kind of trilogies, or sorry, not Call of Duty 3, 2, Modern Warfare 2. Like the Modern Warfare 1 and 2 were big deals because they were very real feeling games. Not in a mm-hmm. control way, your guy fucking wipes jam off his face and goes on trucking after getting shot. But like the story of the game, the combat, the weapons, the, the locations were very of the time. And the trailer yeah. kind of seems to convey a return to that. Like, fuck, there's a part of that game that, if it's to be believed, like either you are shooting people in cars while wearing like raver gas masks and shit to hide your identity, or you're fighting people that are doing that. Like, it's got a very of the now feel to it, which I think the for a long time Call of Duty has lacked. And like for me, who primarily actually sadly plays storylines for those games, I think they're kind of cool. They're fun popcorn blockbuster campaigns of a video game. It's nice to see that kind of un like the trailer is unsettling because it feels very real. It also appears that Price is back, and that's cool because Price is one of my favorite characters. I, this feels like a, the Call of Duty game for people like me that were like, okay. I liked Advanced Warfare because it felt plausible still, but all this Black Ops shit and ghosts and Infinite were just too sci-fi. They were too out there for me to kind of get into. Like, Even though Advanced Warfare had wall runs, it had wall runs via exo-armor kind of thing. Like, No, no, you put on the weird cyber suit and you get a shield and wall runs. You go, oh, that's not how life works, but fine, I'll believe it. Yeah. <laughs> And then Black Ops was like, yo, we're deep diving Ghost in the Shell style. That's not what I come to Call of Duty for. The trailer's cool. I, it's a fun's the wrong word, but it's a good trailer for a shooty video game period yeah. about military stuff. It's it, it very much has a kind of Spec Ops the Lion vibe to it, which is one of my favorite kind of towards the saturated end of cover shooters. Just the fact that, that game was like, yo, we're Call of Duty with something. We're not Call of Duty. We're Gears of War trying to say how much of something to say? War crimes, the thing to say? Oh my! Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they've yeah. That's why I mentioned it earlier. Spec Ops. Yeah. yeah, that is where they've gone dark before. But yeah, I'm. I I guess I mean my thing as a little side note is I don't tend to play a lot of games with realism. I'm not interested in sort of reality. I guess being mirrored in the games I play, I yeah. kind of tend to play games as an escape and I don't know it's just playing a military game is too it, it's too dark for me I, oh no I'm I totally not, get I'm, it I've, I've literally never been interested in playing Battlefield or Call of Duty or any of those like I've, I've played one of those games once seriously and yeah I have zero interest in them yeah yeah, this trailer will not change your mind on Call of Duties, and if you're comfortable playing oh, yeah. Call of Duties, or if you're morally opposed to Call of Duties, it's a Call of Duty still. Like, prices yeah. in the trailer. But for people like me that want that, like, not far-flung version of Call of Duty, because we do like the grounded aspect of it, we like to feel unsettled, and it's like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be as cool playing these games as we are. It, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a thing uh, cross-play. As yeah. someone who's going to buy Dude. that game for the campaign to hear Price talk at me again, I care a great deal <laughs> about crossplay. What next? Um, this is a quickie. Uh, Google is now requiring its apps to disclose loot, uh, loot box odds, not just Which in is... countries that are required across the board. 
that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good move. Preempts yeah. a lot of lot of stuff, and you know what? That is perfectly. I mean, if you aren't willing to give up those numbers, you shouldn't be doing loot boxes. Well, and so, and ironically, this brings a bunch of countries in line with what China, of all countries, requires from its loot mm-hmm. box rules. Yeah, and that might have been part of it too. Yeah. Um, but it, but yeah, that's. I think that's good. I'm liking the move to, yeah, I think that's, it's a good preempting, and it's totally reasonable to ask, totally reasonable to ask a company to provide that for you. So, yeah, I, it is something it is not that a I far never knew I wanted not an someone extreme. said we're doing, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that seems like a good thing. Yeah, very reasonable. They yeah. should be able, I mean, yeah. While we're on the topic of Google, it's already come to pass, but uh, YouTube gaming, you know, YouTube gaming, that part of YouTube we all love to use. Shut down. Yeah, that thing I've totally heard of before. I, I was at E3 when they were trying to push this thing, <laughs> and Ugh. it never made sense. I know Alex was kind of a fan of it, but I, mm. I, I never quite got why you would go to YouTube gaming when YouTube already existed. It would be like, I just can't think of a comparison that's that bad. Like, it'd be like, if you had Netflix and Netflix TV and they separated, like, all the stuff you want from Netflix TV is already on Netflix because it's already there and they're kind of piggybacking on it, but it's just the TV stuff of Netflix on a separate website. Hmm. Your account login is the same, but that's what YouTube gaming was. It was a slick kind of Twitch-inspired interface, I guess. I don't fucking know. I'm just happy because that means there's no longer kind of the double stream options from a broadcast standpoint but yeah yep youtube gaming gone bye indeed speaking of things that may be dead and gone uh did you follow the artifact drama that unfolded on twitch i did oh it's that's a thing i don't one of these random i don't even know what to think on this one well, it's such a random trolling. Yeah. All right, so go ahead and describe it. So uh, the, the video game Artifact, you know that um, card game based off of Dota 2, held, owned by Valve slash Steam, uh, yeah. has had a pretty lackluster community on Twitch for a long time. Yeah. It is no Hearthstone. It's no Go Fish or Uno is my impression either. But Yeah. Hey, Uno's popular. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Fuck yeah, Uno, yeah. I, I, what's the Uno's well, story? Uno's in Overwatch, so, yeah. Oh. But it's almost on. like the actual Overwatch is bad, and the game modes you can make with Overwatch tools are good, but I'm not going to go into that here. Alright, so, yeah. uh, this whole artifact thing kicked off when some streamers were joking about just how fucking dead, I guess, the, artif- uh, the artifact tag corner segment, whatever, however the fuck Twitch uh, people talk about different game aspects of Twitch, if you will. And no one was streaming it kind of thing. Like No one's playing Artifact, no nothing. And as a result of this, trolls decided to do what trolls do best and troll. And what started off as kind of a funny thing, which was people like making streams implied like Artifact DLC or stuck in queues for Artifact or whatever, waiting for games to load. And just kind of yeah. putting up fake bullshit that's like, oh, ha ha, we get it, nice, whatever. Rapidly yeah, descended I... to madness. 
Yeah, well, I, I saw one that looked kind of funny. It was just like, it's artifact, but actually it's me just doing work. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, let's get to the horrible. Uh, so, um... Yes, it's the internet, of course. We got everything from people to streaming content, like Netflix or pirate, their pirated media, that just racist propaganda to straight up porn on their Twitch panels. Yep. Yes, it's the internet, and we're awful. Yeah, like, I... There were some unofficial anime marathons, according to the article I'm kind of reading this off of. Some people trying out new memes, if you will. Fuck, someone even rebroadcast that Christchurch shooting thing from New Zealand. Classy! Yeah, yeah it's just horrifying. Yep, people are garbage. Welcome to the internet. Yep. So apparently this managed to rage for most of the weekend because Twitch was caught kind of unprepared for a uh, ridiculousness of this magnitude and came out Tuesday after it all died down to um do some damage control but it's actually not clear if they've fixed what allowed this whole clusterfuck to happen well you can't really fix yeah. it because they have no there's no there's so many streams going on now yes there's no way to humanly police to make sure that every game is being I mean you just have to wait on reports you have to wait on people reporting it and so there's no way they could possibly police it. I mean, the only thing they could do is be reactive. There's no proactive to this. There's no way to be proactive. Yeah. Just be reactive. They just super banned everybody. And so, for better or worse... Well, not everybody. They, they super banned the people doing bad stuff. The people that are just trolling, they're just, oh, whatever. Yeah. But it was, it was the bad stuff that they're just, no, you're super banned. Well done. But the thing is, it, the, people were creating accounts just to do this. Be, yeah. Sock puppet accounts just to do this. So... But apparently they've been proactive. That's the thing. They have enough of a team in there that when they decide to make a move, like they've already mostly cleared it out now, as far as I as far as I can tell. Apparently they hadn't. Like apparently if you went back in like after the statement came out, there was still like totally not artifact stuff going on. Like I think it's part oh, yeah. combination of you can't police and not it's part of Twitch's oh, yeah, people they, kind of self policing. They did do one thing. They they made sure that you have to use now two factor authentication just to make yeah. an account, and that actually stopped a lot of it. Apparently, you just, I mean, when you're making a sock sock puppet account, yeah. you don't. Yeah, so so that's that's a thing. So that makes so that is one thing that they did put in to try to prevent as much of these bot accounts as well as sock puppet accounts. Yep. So, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah, stay classy. Yep. But kind of my takeaway from all of this is I'm pretty sure Artifact is kind of dead on Twitch at this point. Not that it was oh, thriving yeah. previously, but... Yep. And that was throwing a little bit of extra dirt on top of... Yeah. yeah. It's Looks like we have Pokemon news. Yeah, it's going to move on to that actually now. Trying to do a right into like on, on our road to E3, which means I assume they will talk more about this when we get to E3. Uh, we yeah. have a shit ton of Pokemon news to get through. Um, the biggest and most kind of relevant to the majority of us out there, I think, at this point is Pokemon Home. Yeah. And what makes Pokemon Home cool is it unifies all of the modern aspects of Pokemon, meaning both the Pokemon Let's Go games, the upcoming kind of Sword and Shield, Pokemon Go, and last from the pseudo past 
the Pokemon Bank for the 3DS. Why is this important? Mm. It means that you can pull all of your Pokemon from all your other games into Sword and Shield easily. And that's fantastic. Yep. Uh, it's kind of, I guess, it's basically a unified account for Pokemon, and yeah. it's about it's it's about time. To, but now they have the technology to support it much, yeah, much more effectively. So, yeah, it, it, in the most roundabout way possible, you have made me suddenly kind of mildly care about Pokemon Go again. Uh, mm. Jen still plays it a bunch, so I'll probably sling some of her Pokemon at some point. <laughs> well, this well, that's cool. But also, I was a big fan of not the final Pokemon game on the 3DS. Um, X and Y I got big into, and okay, I have a lot of Pokemon left over from that. I would love to bring over. Like it's, if this was part of Nintendo's fancy new online subscription, that'd be great. But I don't think it's going to be. Because that's not how these things work occasionally. But yeah. The 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 other big announcement out of part of this is uh I think my favorite thing, Pokemon Sleep. This is the thing. Yep. That what? Okay, what? Yeah. What Pokemon is attempting to do for your walking habits, they are now attempting to do for your sleeping habits. Um from the makers of Pokemon uh, Magikarp Jump, it's a coming, and not a ton of information out is out there about this. But the basic idea is you put a thing in your bed; it helps tell how well you sleep, and you get points for it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's weird. It sounds like it was cr- literally created to punish insomniacs like me. I, it's almost a fancy alarm clock. Yeah, it just I get to be reminded of how terrible i sleep yeah day to day pikachu's gonna so, shame your ass yeah it's like you weren't getting good sleep i'm an insomniac you jerk yeah i it pairs with pokemon ghost the general assumption seems to be that uh in the same way that walk live your around, life and literally live your life in pokemon is yeah, what they're announcing like you do nothing but pokemon you have a pokemon home you have pokemon go you have pokemon sleep I mean, I'm just waiting for Pokemon Eat, Pokemon Breathe. We don't want to talk about Pokemon Breathe. <laughs> that's a slippery soap to Pokemon Breathe. Yeah, but yeah, Pokemon Eat. That's going to be the next big announcement. I miss that's that's my prediction for E3. Pokemon Eat will be announced. Calorie tracker. So that you can also be shamed by Pikachu for your bad eating habits. I don't know. There again, I feel like that's yelling at me. <laughs> I don't know. Pikachu being like, man, did you have to have a second piece of pizza? I, what would help me in my personal life? <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, if it's voiced, voiced by Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Hey, listen, fat ass, you really need that pizza? Get some celery, motherfucker. We haven't walked in days. Fucking go. It's called Pokemon. Get your fat ass out of the house. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, got some anthem news, and it's Ooh. not necessarily bad, but I'm not gonna say it's necessarily good. Um, it's so it's anthem news. It is anthem news. <laughs> so after roughly a month long hiatus, Bioware got out there in a bold move, not from a like they should be proud of themselves way, but in a like man. 
getting out there doing anything anthem related is a bold move these days move they had a live stream they showed off kind of the cataclysm and they helped detail out what the cataclysm the much kind of promise loaded whatever the right word is for it end game function of anthem's going to be and it seems kind of cool actually so okay for those familiar with um the way anthem works is you will be dropping into the free roam mode but kind of a free roam plus mode if you will an extra challenging one that's a it's a point cumulative system the free roam mode is already kind of that it'll be in kind of its own little kind of sectioned off part of the map it won't be i didn't watch the stream for this so i'm not totally i'm kind of talking out of my ass some but it won't be just what you've already done it'll be like it'll be its own little zone if you will with activities to complete i'm assuming the public event system that you rack up points then equal gear uh the problem with this being is it's yet again just another chest hunt, but it does sound repeatable, and as someone who thinks the patrol part of that game is some of the best part of that game, the idea of making that the end game part of the game seems okay to me. Hmm. Yeah. They promise kind of secrets and puzzles and all that jazz, which sounds cool. Like it, it just yeah. doesn't inherently seem like a bad move for me at this point. Like, it's this is kind of what I was hoping this would be something like. This is a raid would be nice. Honestly, more of the strongholds would be nice too at this point. I, but yeah, yeah. I apparently it's also all kind of building towards the main objective of, be, of to defeat Vara, the leader of the new faction of Dominion that started up, who are kicking all this off. I the Dominion are the kind of main enemy faction from the game. Ooh. <laughs> It's similar to kind of something called Prison of Elders from Destiny, which okay. I liked a lot, which was a kind of a horde mode I thought worked well, and mm. I've always kind of wondered, like, there are aspects of uh, Anthem already kind of horde mode-esque, and they work. They're some of the better parts of the game, I think. The fact they're kind of leading mm -hmm. into that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was also kind of a bunch of uh, more details you can read into on this, like an outline for how the thing will roll out, which I'm not going to go into, because... Anthem timelines are useless. <laughs> uh, but kind of in the same vein of things, Anthem update 1.2 is upon us. It adds nice. fast travel on free play between the kind of Strider Ooh. hubs. It fixes some technical oh, issues. Travel. Yeah. I, I might say that's the one thing that game didn't need because getting from point A to point B is fun, but mm. yeah. If they technically updated the game during the month, they said they're going to update the game. So uh, they've also gone out there and said we're doing a it'll be ready when it's ready approach to this stuff because we've gotten trouble for just pushing content out the door, which they're not wrong about. Yep. Yeah. A lot of the Anthem community is pretty sure we're going to hear more about Anthem at E3 and not necessarily in a good way in a like, mm. hey. Anthem's actually launching at the end of the summer or some bullshit like that. So, yeah. Mm. I I have not tried the new patch yet. I thought about installing it, but I couldn't quite bring myself to when I was too busy playing that Void Bastards game. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Anthem, apparently not 100% dead and or showing some signs of uh, jumping into the more serious category of things, uh, if you thought the kind of Rockstar labor allegations were over because, uh, well, Red Dead Redemption was out, you'd be wrong! 
a former designer so, for Rockstar Games, has uh, gone out there and said that a executive of the company groped them at one point. And a whole lot of other horrible yeah. things. Yeah. So Let's say that that's just, that's just the tip, tip of, the of the iceberg, iceberg. here. Um, Rockstar is one of the companies that I, I hope in my lifetime someone finally feels confident enough where we get to where you can write this, but like there's a tell-all book about Rockstar that I want mm-hmm. to read because the allegations brought up in kind of this whole of this article kind of about the proceedings of this have existed for as long as I have known Rockstar existed. Like I, I, yeah. I know it's trendy right now to be talking about kind of the shitty labor conditions there, and those are absolutely a thing we should be talking about. But like, ask any kind of long-term games person who kind of uh, keeps track of industry stuff about like, would you want to tell all about Rockstar? And the answer is yeah, because there's just been some wild and not in a good way stories out there for a long time about Rockstar. And the thing is, and I, I like that this person has come forward, and I like this stuff is coming yeah. to light. But, like, this is normal, in a certain yeah. sense, corporate world stuff. I'm glad that it's seeing the light of day. At least we're seeing, you, yeah. know, you know, kudos to game industry people being willing to come out and bring this to light. Because, let's just say, I know this for a fact, what many other companies are this poisonous when it comes to their corporate level. Yeah. And this, this guy, everything about him is poisonous. So his name is... Geronimo Barrera. Yep. He was the vice president of product development. And so he was just known as a mercurial, just unpredictable, just absolute garbage person. And I, I'm just like, but yeah, let, let's just talk a little bit about what he's allegedly done. Yep. I'm going to say, I, I wouldn't even say allegedly. I'm going to say, he did this because from a legal other anonymous standpoint, report- we must say allegedly. Yeah, but other anonymous reports from people not wanting to lose their jobs or not wanting to be blackballed from the industry yeah. are confirming his his garbage behavior. Even they've even people have come out like let let's just go into it a little bit. So. Yeah, go ahead. I have got better grasp on this than I do. I well, I leave this one to you. Actually, unfortunately, I'm trying okay, to catch up. Yeah, some. yeah. But yeah, essentially, this guy, uh, he would now in this particular case, we're talking about this one, and this is a this is a fellow, the fellow that has come out, his name, I not, I'm gonna butcher this name, Colin Bunchu, that's B U N D S C H U. Yeah. Uh, he is a developer, and he is a developer at Rockstar, and specifically in their California offices. And so, essentially, it was just kind of known that whenever this Barrera garbage guy would come around, you just had to be on just out on edge because you didn't know you didn't know what he was going to be. Occasionally, he would be apparently super helpful and super good, but sometimes he would just be just just be awful and horrible and fire people on the spot, and then have other people come up and say, "No, you're not fired. That guy's an idiot." Yeah. And but the thing is. Shit floats to the top, man. As long as we allow it to, useless. And this is something that's useless. People tend to float to the top because 
nobody wants them in their division, but they've been working for a company long enough that where it's like people don't necessarily want to fire them, or they have friends that they've made, allies that they've made, so nobody wants to fire them. But, yeah, it's... Uh, people like this are allowed to only move up because nobody else wants to work with him. Like, would you want him on your dev team, on your immediate dev team? No. Yeah. So what are we going to do? We're going to move them into management, and then they keep floating upwards because nobody wants to fire them and nobody wants to deal with them. But yeah, but yeah, he is—he has a history of this. Current and former employees apparently like work trips to strip clubs that he wanted to do. And your and the—it sounds like the company culture. Now he's not—it sounds like he's not the aberrant. The way it's been described here, again, allegedly, is there is a very, much like Riot, a very poisonous corporate culture, a yeah, very poisonous culture in general. I don't think it's the same general. guy, but there is, kind of, some of the stories that have leaked out, there is allegedly someone, again, allegedly for ass-covering purposes, there is someone whose nickname is the Ire of Sauron in the company, just because, mm -hmm. like, when they're in town, shit gets tense. <laughs> yeah. It sounds awful. I mean, what, it just... Yeah, <clears throat> even like, all right, one former Rockstar employee who said they were friendly with Barrera still described the executive's behavior as outrageous. And so, yeah, when the people that like you are describing you as, as a, uh, like that, yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta imagine that the people being more anonymous, as well as this, this brave person who's come out with this story, uh, it's absolutely, this is this, I'm gonna yeah. say, this happened. Allegedly, yes. No, this told no. It's yeah. He groped. He so Barrera reportedly groped him at a club. Other people saw it, so it has been kind of a little bit verified that he was grinding on him. And all right, that's that's just horrible. Yeah, and so and then he's just he would do other things like walk in on like. If he just doesn't, if he's just in a bad mood, he'll just he'll just unload on you. If you just happen to be sitting there in the office, he'll just unload on you. If you're in a, if he's in a bad mood, it just what's what's wrong with this? And what and the and the really horrible part about all of this is that this was just allowed to happen. That the executives knew about this. That he reported it. He went through all the proper channels, and they did nothing about it. And this is and I'm just gonna have to say this is why we must must have unions for programmers, for game developers, not just programmers, but game developers. There needs to be a game developers union. And that includes everybody involved in the process. Yeah. There must be a game developers union, or else, obviously, they're not going to self-police. And the HR department, you just have to know, the HR department of any company, they are not your friend. They are not, they are not there to help you. They're there to help the company. They're, yep. there, they're there to help the company cover its ass. So when you go for arbitration with HR, don't expect to get anything out of it. Because they're there to screw you and help the company. And this is totally what happened here. But yeah, until we get collective bargaining on a union scale, complete garbage assholes like this will continue to rule the roost. I mean, but I have to say for me personally, if he would have done that to me, he wouldn't have, he would have spent the night in the hospital. Yeah. I don't put up with that. I understand when people do because they don't, they aren't, they aren't prone to be, they, they don't like to rock the boat and they just, you know, what, you know, for whatever reason, I totally respect that 
people don't want to be not don't want to be violent. I really respect pacifists and people who prefer not to get confrontational, even and especially here a fear for your job. Yeah, but you know, say, for me, situations can get complicated in ways that you honestly get to bounce back. Not fairly, but but yeah, he quit because of it. But and has quit the games industry, which to me is crushing. This this is so bad that this this fellow Colin Bunshu has totally quit the games industry. Oh yeah, by the way, this is on Kotaku. Kotaku, when they choose to do like hard journalism, they do some fantastic yeah. journalism. And this is this is this Especially is this, this is area a, of things. Yeah, and they have done some fantastic. Yeah, I mean, their articles on Riot equally good, equally revealing and thoughtful and engaging. And so, yeah, kudos to Kotaku as well for writing up this and giving it the respect and attention it deserves. Yeah. Because this won't stop. This is just for me is just like, oh yeah, we got to have unions. We got to have collective bar- bargaining. We got to have people saying, "All right, if this guy continues to work here, you lose your entire game development team. Everybody, everybody, designers, programmers, voice actors, everybody's walking." So, good luck with that. And until yep. until we demand better, we will never get better. They aren't going to give it to us. Nothing about them says that they have to do anything to please anybody. They see you, a lot of them just will just see you as cogs in a machine. They don't see you as worthy of respect. Like I said, HR isn't there to help you. They're here, they're, they are there to help the company. And so, yeah, until we demand better from all the companies, I mean, obviously we, can't ex- we haven't been able to expect the consumers to do any sort of meaningful boycotts. People just seem to buy anything without considering the ethics. I try to buy as ethically as possible personally, but I don't expect everybody to. Yeah. But so here it's got to be from the perspective of the employees. We have to stand up to this. We can't take this. This kid, this is not acceptable. This has been going on for far too long. I'm just glad now it's getting some, at least some wider spread coverage than it got before when previously it was zero. But yeah, this is, Awful. I mean, he even says, "All right." So one said, "Bunshu told them that Barrera had grabbed his penis." Another said, "Bunshu had told them Barrera groped him on a dance floor." I mean, this this is awful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is just this is just garbage, garbage. And that's the thing. It's like, well, I guess nobody's going to boycott Rockstar, although I am. But I guess we as developers. Or as developers, designers, you know everything. We have to stand up for for not being treated like total garbage by powerful people. We have to show them that we have the power too. Without us, you don't exist. Your job doesn't exist without us. Yeah. All right. Yep. I mean that's. Yep. On to something equally scummy, but a little bit more upbeat, I guess. <laughs> More, at least more humorous. There's yes. humor here. There's humor here. Um, Iron Maiden is suing Ion Maiden. <laughs> Sorry, it's just. Uh... I've been dying for about an hour to say it that way. I've, I've been practicing it in my brain. But yes, uh, <laughs> Iron Maiden, the metal band that you've probably heard of, um, famous for songs and music and selling out arenas, is suing Ion Maiden Dev 3D Realms for trademark infringement. What is Ion Maiden? Why? It's the first-person shooter follow-up 
to Bombshell. What is Bombshell? A top-down stick shooter that was supposed to be a Duke Nukem game, but 3D Realms lost the rights to Duke Nukem, so it became Bombshell, a character with a ridiculous revolver is the best way of describing her. Uh, if you have no idea who what, who, what, what Bombshell or Iron Maiden is, you're like most of us, but a lot of us sadly who Iron Maiden is, and this is not a great look. Why? They are being sued for two million in damages. Why is this not a good look? Because I'm not convinced this IP has ever made 3D Realms even one million dollars. Yeah, this isn't like their, this isn't 3D Realms' premier title. It's really not. What is 3D Realms' premier title at this point even? like? I have no idea, but exactly. I'm just saying that look, they don't have one. And so, no, they're not rolling in the money. I mean, I, I mean, apparently it's not like the band themselves may or might not be even totally aware of this, because it is a, it is a suit being brought by a company that represents their IP. Yeah. And maybe but, this is a, you gotta sue, because you gotta sue, and if you don't sue, it becomes a problem down the line, but... Yeah. Yeah. This is dumb. The, I mean, alright, so, I'm looking, I pull up the game, it's like, the look of the game has none of the feel of Iron Maiden. Like, just the, the look of the game is very futuristic. Yeah. It's not, it's not metal head, it doesn't look like... The game doesn't look like the cover of a metal album. One might argue it's not. It does for certain bands, but not Iron Maiden. No, I, not Iron Maiden. No, not not that style at all. Not even remotely. Like they're trying to say that like the skull somehow looks like their mascot Eddie. Not even remotely close. And the previous game had the same logo as well. This is gonna fail in the courts hard. It's, this is so dumb. They're just going to lose money on this yeah. because they're going to make they're going to be forced to pay all the court fees. I think the judge is going to take one look at it and be like, "This isn't even a case." I'm not. I'm not even sure if the judge will take it. I I guess they will. I I don't know. I maybe I I didn't read. I couldn't see anywhere where they said that the judge was or that it was decided that this would actually go to court. That it was just announced that they are going to take them to court. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, looking at the game, everything about it, like, nothing really resembles... I mean, they're trying to say that the main protagonist's name, because it has the same initials... Well, yeah, is... so I was going to get into that. So it's... The crux of the lawsuit basically rests on how similar Iron Maiden and Ion Maiden sound to each other, and also is then kind of bolstered, air quotations on that, bolstered, because the main protagonist's name is Shelley Harrison, and... Iron Maiden's bassist is Steve Harris, and that the because bomb the bassist of the band, because, because the bassist of the band is always the one you're going to pay tribute to. Said no one ever. I, I just have to point that out too. That's I'm a bassist, so yeah. I'm aware of that. No, it's like unless you're Flea, nobody knows that you're a bassist. Yeah. <laughs> so, and again, I mentioned this in kind of an offhanded way. This is indeed the follow-up to a game called Bombshell, which had the same protagonist name, if you will, Shelley Bombshell Harrison. Yep. Uh, and this that came back out in like 2016 or something. Yeah. And it also used the same logo that they're trying to say yeah. looks like their mascot. So, yeah, this is going to fail miserably in court. I don't even know why they're bothering with this. Life is great and definitely not a nightmare. Yep.
And yeah, not a good look. No. Not a good look at all. I mean, I mean, when you... Alright, so let's just say there's... Some metal bands are totally cool with being associated with video games. I guess other ones are way too stuck in the past. But, anyway. Metallica, known for its progressive thoughts on digital content. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of digital content, though, um, Australia's now in the process of suing Sony over its return policies. Uh, as you may remember, it's, uh, Sony's return policies are either don't download it, or kind of you have 14 days prior or post the release of the game to return something. Apparently that violates Australian law. I, I'm not up on the Australian return policies, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, they go. it goes into it a little bit in the article here, but yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the crux of the lawsuit is based around the idea that under Australian law that it's... um. If a if a product seemed defective or broken or kind of all that jazz, it's allowed to be returned. Uh, yeah, Steam went through something similar to this a couple years back, if I remember correctly, and they wound up making kind of their own set of rules for Australia. I could imagine that happens to PlayStation in this case as well. Yep. But there again, this this comes to what I believe is good legislation and good government intervention because i mean that's the thing is like after so many years of just ham-fisted dumb stuff trying to trying to be passed through the courts and stuff and passed through various governments like this is a case of good good legislation good like they're they're being watchdogs the way they should be so doing exactly what they should be so kudos to australia yeah i, I, I mean I, they're they're actually say calling them out on stuff and saying nope yeah you, you can't do that according to our laws yeah we'll see this one plays out because i'm not unconvinced that actually the psn rules right now are not are, are not in compliance with most of the rules at that point I, the biggest mm-hmm. thing to come out of the valve one is they had to feature a thing proclaiming the Australian return rules on their page for Australia, yep. which makes sense. Yeah. Moving on from that, AIs are coming for your video games. Yeah, so DeepMind is at it again, the DeepMind team. I've taken on another game, so each time, each game that they've taken on has, has had a different type of complexity to it. Go is just ridiculous. I I can't even describe how ridiculous it is. I, I mean, know how I know to play, how to play Go, and I could not explain to you how you play Go. Oh, I, I'm ter- I'm terrible at it, yeah. anyways. I love it. I, I love it in a lot of ways, but I'm awful at it. But yeah. in any case, um, yeah, their uh, their version of DeepMind created for StarCraft Two Alpha Star defeated middle tier pros, which is very impressive, given that. Well, I, and we talked this about this before because StarCraft Two, yeah. there's. There's a whole lot more involved and a lot more. Now you have distinct pieces you have to choose from, and it's just it's a di- completely different type of strategy that you need for this than you would need for Go. And now it's playing Quake Three Arena on the Capture the Flag mode. And so, so far they've just been playing sort of one-on-one games. So Go, StarCraft Two. Yeah, those are one-on-one games. Quake 3 is a team, can be a team, and especially the version that they're playing. They are playing the Capture the Flag variant, yeah. or the Capture the Flag mode. It was 
it was basically there again they fed it lots of data so it can build its monte carlo tree and i i've talked about this before if you need to look it up i mean monte carlo the way monte carlo tree is it basically just keeps track of how often a certain move leads to a win and it just keeps it in a tree structure so that you can keep track of it at each at each branch you can tell yeah you know is does this move have a seven percent chance of winning or 20 or whatever but in any case so this this was another jump big jump and now that it has to work as a part of a team with human teammates with not others ai teammates but human teammates and so essentially initially it was just yeah so I'm sure you're probably familiar with capture the flag. It is you, yep. capture, you pick pick up the enemy flags and return them to the base. Often yeah, either for um, an instant win or cumulative points. Yeah, and so there's a lot of situations here now that it has a check that it doesn't. So unlike other AIs, which could kind of cheat, they can kind of look in on each other's programming and the way they're thinking. In a sense, the AI agent can only judge the other players on what they perceive. You know they don't. They aren't doing input reading here, in a certain sense. No. They're just perceiving what the player is doing, so they have to respond. Like they have to work as a part of a team, and that's extraordinary. And apparently, they've did really well. The even after twelve hours of practice, the human game testers were only able to win twenty five percent of games against the agent team. So, and so another thing on this is these maps are randomly generated. So unlike the other other two circumstances with Warcraft with StarCraft 2 and with Go, there's no set board. There's no set environment for them to play in. So now they're having to work in a dynamic dynamically generated environment. And so every map is a new circumstance, a new and a completely new thing to consider. And so the AI had to be adaptable to both being up on a team with human players as well as working on a randomly generated map. And that is extraordinary. I mean, that is massive jumps. Deep Mind, the Deep Mind team just continues to blow me away. I want to join that team at this point. But, yeah. That's, that's actually incredibly impressive. Seeing as how, how poorly we have seen a lot of, you know, more basic AIs, you know, video game level AIs, do it actual teamwork. So, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, it's just another huge jump in what they've been able to get the DeepMind system to be able to work with. Yeah, they, uh, they have, they apparently, the nickname for this one, each one has kind of had a nickname, like Al- uh, Alpha Go was the name for the one that played Go, Alpha Star for StarCraft Two. This one was nicknamed For the Win. So, so, yeah. Yeah, extraordinary. Great work. Really Start cool. letting AIs play Counter-Strike. I'm going to be worried. Mm, that's coming next. I mean, if they can play on a team, yeah. And even, I mean, not only play on a team, but there are objectives and strategy for this type of game. It's not just FPS trying to kill off everybody that is. They've really not sure. put out, they put deep mind towards games that require a good bit of strategy. A lot of strategy, as you know, not just fast twitch things. Which of course a computer is going to be good at fast twitch. 
you know, it, it's going to be faster than you. It, it can input read, whatever. But in this case, it's focusing very heavily on the strategic element of the AIs. And I think that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. But yeah. Yep. Skynet. So, yep. Yeah. So, last but not least this week, we have um, the biggest news, if you will, which is that uh, Death Stranding. A Team game. Sonic Racing. Yes, Team Sonic's Racing, that new weird-ass game from Kojima Productions. Kojiko, yeah, if you will. But please actually go ahead. Yes. Uh, Death Stranding, the game that I think everyone involved in this podcast, those who listened to it, most didn't thought was probably going to come out eventually, but not anytime soon, because why would it? Mm-hmm. From Kojima, is coming out November 8th. And holy shit, does it look like peak Kojima. Oh yeah, it looks awesome, and and uh, and they did reveal it on a stream. They the the you know the the new trailer they revealed yep. on a stream. I didn't catch it. I kind of I caught the trailer caught after later. the fact. I had work and could not camp the stream, yeah. if you will. Uh, if you have not watched the trailer yet, you should go watch it. It is trippy and weird, and it is eight minutes of Kojima. Yeah. It, I once wondered what Kojima's dreams are like. I don't think I wonder that anymore. I think I now know what <laughs> Kojima, like, if you ever see Kojima just sitting there looking off in the distance, I think I now know what Kojima's thinking about. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I could actually describe with human words what those thoughts are, but I think I've seen what he thinks he's seeing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So this trailer, yeah, uh, it was. It is definitely Pete Kojima. All right, so I I do have a few I notes. Don't even uh, know how to start. Please go ahead. Talking about this, like it, it has been confirmed to be a open world game. Uh, you, you are playing Norman Reedus' character. The president appears to uh, the U.S. It seems to be super fucked. The game seems to be a combination of open world stealth against human enemies and open world stealth against ghost whatever yeah whatever the heck it is that's coming out of this whatever's happening yeah yep. and so yeah here we enter in so we didn't see this in the previous trailers kojima's love for crazy politics yep he loved i mean you know just yeah. the whole metal gear series now we get this president who is well in in his words president of jack shit yeah because there's no bit no USA and and they're also making very strong some of the obvious some basically sitting out there. These are some of the themes that we are definitely hitting. Number one, loneliness and collectivism and is that important? So yeah. Yeah. So but, trailer maybe implies we will play Norman Reedus and Mad Mickelson or Mad Mickelson. Mm, it's it's not clear. So Watching this trailer will leave you with more questions than you already have about Death Stranding. Like, oh yeah, in, in true Kojima production kind of way, there's a motorcycle. There appears to be an instant deploy ladder thing. There are crows. There's crazy wilderness. There's yeah, the president of the United States, and I think the Oval Office, the Lincoln bedroom, and like a super chemo bed thing. Yeah, apparently very sick. Yes. 
it's implied that like the western half of the U.S. is just fucked, but not yeah, clear just... why. Like via ghost storm. Yeah, we haven't we haven't been we have definitely not been told how this came to be, and yeah. that's what we're going to be, and that's what's going to be obviously that's what the game is going to be about is going to lay that out for you. So I can understand why they wouldn't necessarily want to throw that into the. Into yeah. the trailer, I'm 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 very glad about that. I hate it when trailers ruin major plot points in movies. I've stopped watching a lot of trailers because of it, but this is a rare occasion when I watch one because I kind of feel like that Kojima likes to keep some of his cards oh, yeah, close no, to the this... chest. He he definitely likes for you to find out by playing rather than by watching a trailer. He's 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 kind of done this all along for many of the games. You like you know the big. You know, the big haha bait and switch in Metal Gear Solid 2 with Raiden. I mean, yeah. you know, starting with Snake and then playing with Raiden for the rest of the game. Well, so I mean, he, he keeps his cards close to his chest. He doesn't like to reveal everything that's going on, and I like that. So, and this brick gets kind of weird. So, the, the game definitely seems to have some, based on this trailer, some survival aspects to it. And yeah, I went from kind of curious and excited about this to really excited about this because this actually might be a game I've wanted to see someone take a whack at making for a while, which is kind of this... I've always wondered if there was a world where you could make a game that was essentially just survival. I'm not talking survival like The Forest or Don't Starve that have like hostile enemy aspects to it. I'm talking like if you had like a, a space video game where you get dropped onto like an ice planet or something and mm. the game is nothing except kind of resource management and getting from point A to point B however you can and you had like some repair tools and some like generic just equipment like a grappling hook or something like that just normal kind of mountaineering equipment if you will could mm -hmm. you make a game based around that concept and this definitely seems to have more video game aspects of it, but it also oh, yeah. appears to have some of what I'm looking for, which is like, yo, I got to climb this mountain. How do I do that? Thank God I got this weird-ass ladder. Yeah, I saw also that you can, like, drive a post in the ground and then yeah. repel from it. Yep. I mean, there's lots of terrain uh, uh, terrain traversal abilities. That seems to be that a lot of the thing that... And, and that makes a lot of sense, but yeah, there seems to be a lot of mechanics which revolve around how do I traverse rather rough terrain. So it seems like definitely it's like the environment is yeah, it's it's not flatlands. It's it's varied. There's yeah. a lot of different I mean just from the trailer there's what seems you to be might a lot encounter of walking from the left side of the country to the right side of the country, if you will. Yeah. With ghosts. We still don't see exactly what the impetus says, but they've but I know that's going to be tied in with kind of what happened and them figuring out yeah. what the aftermath, what like what the aftermath is even consists of, like what is this thing going on? Yeah. Um. My own favorite things in the trailer, um, Mads Mikkelsen singing to me. Yeah. I let out a, a little squee. I love Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Uh, unabashedly, I love Mads Mikkelsen. He is so he is so good. But yeah, him being very awesome uh, Mads Mikkelsen, and that's what you get a lot of in the trailer. 
Yeah, it, I, I didn't notice how kind of integral to the game that dude was going to be until this trailer came out, and yeah, he's yeah. prominently featured in it. Like, and like to add to this trailer's weirdness, like someone pulls off a skull mask to have a secondary skull mask on underneath it. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, I, yeah, a, a World War II tank appears out of nowhere at one point. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Like something character the, appears to be a scientist, a mercenary, and an artist, I guess. I, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, we have Guillermo del Toro in yeah. there because Kojima likes him. Yeah. I mean this is this is very this is Kojima like I like these actors a lot. The, I'm just putting them in my in my game. I'm just they're just in my game now. Yeah. That's just happening. Fuck it, Kojima's earned it at this point. Like, yeah, I, I, like, dude went so far as to feature Apocalyptica for the entirety of the trailer. If you know who Apocalyptica yes. is, they are a it's a cello band only, right? Like, it's four four cellos, yeah, quartet, I believe that is at that point. Four cellists or cellists yeah. Yeah. that four play cellists. heavy metal covers of stuff. They do some of their own original stuff too. Yes, like I yes. saw them perform as an opener for Rammstein at one point over a while back. Like it's, they're not what I listen to all the time. But if I want to seem classy, I put them on. Yeah, Apocalyptica is amazing. They yeah. are super good. I super recommend just listening to them. Period. But yeah, oh yeah, kudos. This is there again. Like Kojima, Kojima probably just likes them. He's like, yeah, I want their music. I want but their it, music in my trailer. Also, somehow works in the trailer. Like, oh yeah, it does. Because it just all right. So this apocalyptica just tends to sound epic. All of their songs. So yeah, yeah, totally works. I, totally works with the trailer. I could not tell you what happens in this trailer in a useful and collected way, except like, oh no, yo, shit, be weird. And there's like a lake of fire at one point, and Mad sings, and there's a deployable ladder, and ghosts, and a ghost tank, and a stealth section featuring ghost tanks and black liquid water and I don't know. There were for, no for whales, people, but... Yeah. For people that don't know anything about Death Stranding, it just sounds like we're talking about ten different things. Yeah. <laughs> we're just randomly listing off just... I mean, I could just make up anything and, and it'd be believable at this point. Yeah. But... Everything we said so far, it's just actually stuff in the trailer. I, mostly what I learned from this trailer is I want more, I, I, I want Mads Mikkelsen, maybe not to do mocap for characters, but like, I want him to voice a character in upcoming RPGs. Like, yeah. I, I want uh, him doing just, more voice work in the video game industry. He's just so charismatic. I mean, he just has charisma in buckets. He's amazing. I, I, I unabashedly, totally, super have a crush on Matt Mickelson. Sure! Dude was great in Hannibal. Yeah. And in everything, even in Doctor Strange, a kind of a hokey villain, and he just yeah. had fun with it. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely, that was that was a Kojima. That was a, that was, I would rate that 10 of 10 Kojimas. I I I know there's a variety of criticisms out there. I think my favorite of which is I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just excited to see what Kojima does when told, "Hey, do what the hell you want." 
Yeah. And holy crap, they... This definitely they, this seems is, to be that. Yep. It's just like everything he's ever wanted in a video game is just happening here. I We probably have to bring up the fact, though, that like the two female cuts of the trailer are named uh, Fragile and Mama, so... Well, good Kojima's here, also unfortunate Kojima's also in the house. Yep. Maybe it'll yep, make sense that... in context, but I doubt it. Uh, yeah, it's he's uh these are these are themes he's he's definitely yeah, this yeah. is also Kojima. Yep. Though there again like the actors he's bringing in for these characters, fantastic actors yep. that are probably just actors. There again, the, he just likes these actors. I, he just wants them in his game. Yeah. Who knows? I wonder, and this is a this is a side thought. I'm wondering if this game is going to be the one that sort of brings more people, possibly brings more people into realizing that hey, games can be art. Oh fuck no! This is not. I... It's just because of all the big stars being brought in. I mean, these are Norman Reedus and Mads Mikkelsen are now pretty well-known guys, as is sure. Romero del Toro, all these, actually, everybody in here, every, all, like I mentioned, all these actors, they're all, they're all famous mainstream actors, they aren't just, they aren't like an indie darling that uh, two people know about, these are mass appeal, well-known actors in this stuff, in this game, so I mean, yeah, I mean, this will probably be the new one I'm gonna roll out and say, hey, this is a game that just came out, say, Tell me this is not art. I mean, hopefully this will get some of the, you know, there again, other critics able to look at this and say, hey, you know what? This is this is serious art. I mean, not to say that me personally, I know that yeah. serious art has already been made many times, but it's just the the fact that so many other big name people are a part of the project, too. So I don't yeah. know. That's just a thought. Yeah. But yeah, Death Stranding out. November 8th. Yep. I kind of hope they show actual... nothing between now and then. Like, I want Kojima yeah. on stage at E3 being like, I know so much about Death Stranding, but I'm not going to tell you about it. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping too. Yeah. He's always, he's, he's generally has always been kind of tight lipped about his projects. He doesn't tend to say a lot about them. I want an hour long you... press conference of him and Madge just chilling on stage drinking wine or something. Uh, throw in Guillermo del Toro in there too. Sure, I don't, I, I like that. Dude. I'm not as familiar with Guillermo del Toro the person. I enjoy his directing work, but like, I don't know yeah. him as a person talking about things. The other two I do. And as a result, I. Fuck it, yeah. Why the fuck not? Yeah. But, yeah. Death Stranding. Dude. Yeah, I got nothing to say after that. It's just... Yeah, it's just... I, I rewatched the trailer while we were the talking. process. Yeah, I rewatched the trailer while we were talking about it to refresh my memory some, and I'm like, oh, right, I still have no idea what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I can't describe it any better the second or third time watching the trailer. I Yeah, I, I don't have any more... Yeah, nope. there's you'd have you just have to watch the trailer if you want to know more. If you want to know more about the trailer, if you care about video games and you haven't watched the trailer yet, you should. If you don't care about video games and are curious who the fuck this Kojima guy is, a how'd you find our podcast? Kudos and thanks for making it this far. But b go watch the trailer. It's weird. And yeah, then go it's, watch the other two trailers. Yeah, it is. Yeah, honestly, it is. Something that I think, like, 
You would just think it was a movie. Yeah. You would just think it was a trailer for a movie. Yeah. 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 We do have some email this week, but we're not going to do it because I think Alex will want to be here for it. It's actually about our Game of Thrones podcast, which mm. if you did not listen to it, go check it out if you want Game of Thrones talk. It's pretty good. It's longer than I thought it was going to be. but Yeah. We had we had a bit more to say than we even imagined yeah. we did. So Yeah. I just thought it was going to be an hour of Alex going, they ruined Game of Thrones, and it wasn't. It was only a half hour of that. <laughs> but, Henry, if you wanted to send us an email, how would you go about doing that? That is wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Again, that's wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spells the sounds down the show notes, etc., etc. That does it for Thank this you. week. I need to go take some psychedelic drugs and watch the Death Stranding trailer again, because maybe you will <laughs> understand it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thank you all for tuning in. Yeah. Cue the metal. Yeah.